Driving that coach. 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 All right, start. Ready? All right, cool. And welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with J.D. and A.J. I'm J.D. I'm A.J. All right, and as you see, folks, we got some guests again this week joining us on part two of the Monday Night Wars. And like I said, last week, and I actually shared this with Tyler, uh, last week was actually on our YouTube channel. was our most watched show. Yeah, and consistently through, I checked the, uh, the um, analytics and everything. People are actually watching the whole way through, and it was a two-hour show, so... We're yeah. having some more of this, uh, this good content. We discussed the awesome Monday Night Wars and yeah. In other words, you guys have made it. <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. But you guys one are day, definitely helping. You guys are definitely helping, man. Like it really, it really is. Like, I, like I think, I think people really love the the additional camaraderie of the different people, man. Like you know, it, re- it really made for you know good, good viewing and good listening. So. Yeah. Uh, like I said, let's just continue that. We got part two this week, and uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, first segment tonight is going to be a favorite here on the show, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy, where I can connect any major American film star to the great Eddie Murphy within 70 films. Now, to change up the format just a little bit this evening, I actually talked to my friends here about that. Now, AJ, my co-host here, usually is the one that comes up with the names, but we're going to change it up a little bit tonight. So AJ's going to do a name. Uh, I guess Laren is going to do a name, and I guess Tyler is going to do a name. So I'm going to, again, guess it off the top of my head, off of, you know, sheer memory. If I have done it before, I'll let you guys know, or if I have to look it up, I'll let you guys know. But I'm going to try to do it as best as I can off of sheer memory. Now, AJ, I want you to go ahead and start first. First of all, we didn't do the intro. Second of all, we need to let our guests go first because that's only being polite. My fucking throat hurts, but okay. I'll hey, don't you gotta introduce us or something? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. I love when I said that the birds started no, no, chirping no, no, right no, after no, that. No, let's, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back a little bit. Okay, so you come on, your guest on my motherfucking show. You can tell me how to run this motherfucker. Are you serious? I was, it's just a suggestion. Like, but but uh, you know what? David. You're right. You know, you're right. I, I'll go ahead and introduce my guest. Well, I think oh, you well, did. Oh, well, excuse, excuse me, our guests. Excuse me. I did give you. I did give you like your names when I said shit about Ed Murphy. But you know what? Fuck. I give you a proper intro. All right, I'll so, give you that. You did. <laughs> all right. So, uh, guest number one, Larence, that you want to talk so fucking much. Why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> hey, you guys. Uh, Laren Moore here, aka Max Star, rapper, actor, comedian, all of the above. Uh, great show, AJ and uh, JDF here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it, man. I'm a huge wrestling mark. Have been since the '80s, and I'm just happy to be here. All right. All right. You happy now, motherfucker? I'm so happy. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted from you. That's all okay. I've ever wanted. All right, Tyler. If you want to introduce yourself, please do. Hey, Tyler from LA. Sort of pissed off that Taco Tuesday, the same day Cinco de Mayo, and we on punishment. Oh yeah. That's oh. some bullshit. Some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Can't yeah, enjoy the tacos or the women. Well, oh, in that order, at least down here in Orange County, uh, I know a couple of killer joints where I was getting tacos like the size of what would normally be burritos. So just take a little drive. Yeah, but see, five, six miles south. There's a spot. Good. It's a spot in Orange County where there's nothing but thick Mexican chicks. 
that Ooh. serve the food. It's a bar. Your problems that you can't get the women with the food. I got you. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the problem. I feel it, man. I like thick Hispanic women with my tacos, too. That's just how it goes. Yeah. I like right. tacos, then I like tacos. Yeah. All right. Well, 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 we got that out the way. Yeah, it's great, guys. I'm happy to hear you're chasing tacos. I really am. Well, you know what? Uh-huh. From last week and how popular uh, learning about Laren's wet dreams were. Uh, oh, good Lord. So we're not mentioning that bullshit this week. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure Laren's going to find something else to gross us out with. So yeah, there's always there's always room for something new. There's always room for if it makes new. you guys feel any better, I have had no wet dreams since then. So, oh good God, throwing that out there. Since Tuesday or since you were 14? AJ, uh, just start no, the segment. Yeah. Just start, start the segment, AJ. AJ, start the segment. God damn it. I just say nothing. Oh, yeah, I got to do the intro. You fucking me up, man. I got to do the intro. Shut up. All right, right. here we go. All right, ready? All right, here we go. (laughs) Airborne knocked that right out. Thank you. Say the name, AJ, please. Well, actually, I, I'm serious. I think uh, I think Laren should go first. I want to give our guests the opportunity. Okay, all right, all right, all right Laren, go. Oh uh, shoot. Okay. Um, I'm gonna think of the most obscure yeah. but topical actor I can think of because I do want to throw you off because I know you're good at this. So let's yeah. see. Let's try. Mm, that might be too easy, but I'm gonna go with it. Let's try Tim Robbins. Oh, bitch. Oh, that's too easy. I know. I damn it. Can yeah, I change it? No, no, no. <laughs> no. It's, it's out there. No. Yeah, Tim, okay, we'll right. go with Tim Robbins. That's the first okay. thing that popped in my head. Cool. Tim Robbins was in Nothing to Lose with Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence was in Life with Ed Murphy. Nothing to Lose is a very underrated movie. It's very. I love that movie, but that was too easy. God uh, damn it. Yeah. Oh well. Well, good job. Good job, though. Thank you. All right. Work for it, man. Yeah. All right, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I know, I know. I don't know why I did that. Did he freeze? freeze? Is that his face? I think it's frozen. That's a funny thing to freeze on. It really is. (laughs) That is a perfect face. He's... Dude, your frozen, frozen face is fucking... Yeah, Yeah. your frozen face is fucking hilarious, bro. (laughs) No, because you're looking like this. Like... No, he did not just say Tim Robbins. <laughs> that was actually your, that was your face, man. That shit was hilarious. Was oh, like, wow. Like, is it frozen uh, or he just looking like that? Nah, damn internet started acting up around here. All right, so your, all right, your turn, uh, Tom. Mr. T. No, we haven't done Mr. T, but fuck it. I'll go with this. Okay, uh, and I'm go. I'm trying to go a different route because I know I could go through Stallone, but you know what? That's how. Go. That's how you did it last week with Hulk Hogan. That's right. I don't want to. I don't want to do that route. So let's see. Oh, fuck it. Got it. Mr. T was in not another team movie with Chris Evans. Chris Evans 
was in fucking Captain America when the soldier was Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson was in uh, fucking uh, oh, I'm tripping. Come to America with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I was just about to say. I was about to say, coming to America, uh, yeah. JD, coming to America. <laughs> actually, I could, I, actually, I could get, I could have did that, or I could have did it through uh, Jamie Lee Curtis because there was a lot that movie Knives Out together, which is really good, by the way. I heard it is. Yeah, Knives Out is actually really good. We watched it at a uh, an undisclosed place this past weekend, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that shit was dope, man. Like that, and uh, is that shit and what's up? Um, new movie. gentlemen, the Guy Ritchie movie. That shit was good too. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. So those, those are really good movies. All right, so thank you, Tyler. All right, AJ. That's one. Share. Ha ha ha. Hey, that's actually. If I could turn back time. She's she's <laughs> one in the Academy. That's my share impression. She did. She did one Academy Award. Okay. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? She's going she's a pretty decent actress. She's a pretty no, decent actress. No, no. Supposed to be the best actress of the year of all the films. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're going to get into it. We don't have time. What's okay, up? gotcha. All right, but fucking, uh, okay, so since we're going that route, let's go with the movie she won the Oscar for, Moonstruck. So she was in Moonstruck with Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage was in Con Air with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's not the native professor. It's a bitch. People forget Dave people people forget Dave Chappelle was in Con Air. He, yeah, he was. And and people forget he was a nutty professor too, even though he had a standout oh, I don't know. Was, no, yeah, I don't forget that. No. Forget okay. that. Some people some people do. It's more it's more Con Air because it's it's just more subdued than Con Air. But he was crazy in fucking Nutty Professor. Women yeah. be shopping. Women be shopping. He was Reggie. Reggie. Hey, you know the names that they gave him? Reggie Warrington? That was the name of the directors, the, the, uh, the Hudlin brothers. Reggie Hudlin and the Warrington Hudlin. The dudes that did like uh, Boomerang and shit like that. Wait, Reggie Warrington. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. All right, so we got our three names. Wow. Cool. Thank you very much, fellas. And I do with the, the outro. Yeah. We do love that in. We do love that uh that segment though. Okay. Alright, so let's go ahead and get into the next one. WWBS. What will Busey say? And for the fans out there, this is where I do an improvised rant as the great Gary Busey. <laughs> Alright, so AJ. What's Gary ran about this week, man? Well, I don't want to be super topical because for, for a moment I was I was curious what he would say about murder hornets, but I did want to stick in the insect world, and I know you've personally had a little experience with this, so what are Busey's thoughts or feelings about camel spiders? Gotcha. Oh, good Lord. Well. <laughs> camel spiders. My furry little friends. It's been a long time since I actually held camel spider in my hand. It really teaches you a lot about yourself, especially what you can maintain, what you can and cannot do. You know, I actually had a camel spider a little joke one time that I did on a friend of mine. It's pretty funny. 
So what I did was I had a friend out camping. We were high on peyote. And next thing you know, he passes out. He's sitting there in this little trunk next to me. I find a camel spider. I just haven't been playing with it at the time. I was like, you know what? Let's see how this camel spider reacts with this person. So what I did is on the top of this little little house that he was in, put the camel spider in there. Motherfucker. Oh, yeah, I actually slapped the motherfucker right before I you know, let go of it. Motherfucker went nuts, bit him all over the fucking place. He was fucking crying and all this other shit. And like, that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> but I've always loved fucking insects, man. Insects and reptiles, anything that's poisonous. I've actually been bitten at least two dozen times by poisonous animals, insects, and I seem fine. No brain damage or anything of that sort that I can see, you know. No, 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 no brain damage at all, man. You know, I think it's, I think it's really a wonderful experience because it really lets you see your mortality and see how far you can go. Because you know, man, I like to push it to the edge, man. Camel spiders, tarantulas, love all that shit, man. How's that? I was a bit more tan than I expected. I mean, I can see Gary Busey saying that. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was still the Camel same. Camel spiders. <laughs> and then doing an eight ball right after. Straight up. But not of Coke, like literally an eight ball from a pool. Yeah, yeah. Right up the nose, just an actual yeah. eight ball from a pool hall. Because Gary Busey's like that. He's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get into our new segment that we've come to love here on the show. This will be the second edition of Roger Reed's Rap. Let me go ahead and get Roger ready. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Roger Reed's Rap. This week's selection comes from the late, great Easy e an American artist. And his song is entitled, Real Motherfucking Jeans. <clears throat> Verse one. Calm time, calm time. Calm time. <laughs> hey, yo, doctor, here's another proper track, and it's fat. Watch the sniper. Time to play the piper. And let that real shit provoke. So use a want to be loke, and you'll get smoked. And I hope that your fans understand when I talk about spraying me the same records that you're making is paying me. Motherfuck Dre, motherfuck Snoop, motherfuck Death Row, and here comes me left blow. Because I am the E-A-Z-Y-E, and this is the season to let the real motherfucking G's in. You're like a kid who found a pup and now you're dapper, but tell me where the fuck you found an anorexic rapper. Talking about who you squabble with and who you shoot, you're only 60 pounds when you're wet and wearing boots. Damn E, they tried to fade you on Dre Day, but Dre Day only meant easy's payday. All of a sudden, Dr. Dre is a G thing, but on his old album covers, he was the sheep. So, <laughs> nigga, please, nigga, please don't step to these motherfucking real Gs. Thank you. Uh-huh. I would like to like that was probably actually, 
If it was actually read or rapped like that back then, people wouldn't have got shot over it in Compton. Mm-hmm. I secretly think that's actually Roger Moore's favorite song. <laughs> yeah, I do. Roger, no, Roger dug it. Roger dug it, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was that was his shit back then. His shite. Yeah. That was a that. very tumultuous time back then. Yes, it was, man. That man, was it. I can only imagine what it was like being out here growing up uh, this shit in uh, in L.A. Whereas us poor Alabama children only had to watch it on the box. Music, television, <laughs> you control. I remember the so, box. The box was the shit, bro. Like the, I don't think the box gets enough credit. I really don't. It really it doesn't. Dope, no, it doesn't. It, it was a dope-ass network for what it was. Now, you call in, and for you young kids out there who are watching the show, the box was an old <laughs> network, uh, which uh, you could actually call in and request music videos. You, remember, yep. you know music videos. You remember what those are, right? Yeah, yeah. music videos. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, those things that you I remember. Promote, those things that they used to promote albums and records by your favorite artists. And they're usually pretty creative. Some are better than others. But yeah, music videos. So what you do is you call in a little number. They have like the little uh, thing at the bottom, like a scrolling thing of like the different uh, artists and the numbers that you can pick. And you call in, you put in like a, a three-digit code or some shit like that. And they'll play your video. And because of the fact, you know, East Coast, you know, the West, West Coast shit was like popping at the time, there would be like two hours straight of just like Dr. Dre, Easy E, fucking Snoop Dogg videos like on a fucking, on a loop, bro. And then every once in a while, somebody would slip in a rock video. So it'd be like fucking like Black Hole Sun by fucking, uh, what was this, by Soundgarden or like, my shit was uh, Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly. They would slip that shit in. Because it's uh, claymation. Mercy Playground, I smell sex and candy. Or, uh, uh, or Nirvana, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. All that shit, they would slip those All those there. 90s, 90s grunge era rock groups, yeah. That whole time I was trying to request songs that had women shaking their asses a lot. Oh, yeah. so a, lot of, a lot of gangster rap. So yeah, Baby Got Back, you, Baby Got Back, baby. you probably, yeah, there was quite uh, a few times. A lot of too loud. A little harder. Like, went a little harder than that. Little too loud crew. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes, that's where I was. Uncle Luke, too loud crew. Yes. Oh yeah. The chick talking about that's just my baby daddy. Who that is? My baby daddy. Oh yeah. yeah. My baby daddy. I hate that song because one. Of, I hate that song because one of no. no <laughs> I hate that song because one of the names at the end is JD. Uh, huh. Well, they, maybe they were talking about Javay Dupree. That is a hood name, sir. I'm just saying. Maybe they were talking There's about two letters. It's, it's used a lot in the hood. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, don't take it personal. <laughs> I can't help but take it personal, motherfucker. That's what people call me. You are a baby daddy name, sir. Yeah, hey, my sure. shit, my shit was BET Uncut. That was the modern day dirty version of the box. <laughs> a little bit, little bit later, though. Actually, in the oh, it was, about, it was about ten years later, but still, my yeah. still as a teenager, that was my shit. Was that shit? Oh, you saw more. I never, I never forget that tip drill video, boy. Oh yeah, the tip drill. I knew that tip drill. That was the, that was the, that was the cornerstone. Because it certainly ain't the fish. I knew that tip drill. That was the cornerstone of BT Uncut. Was the tip? That's when he swiped. He swiped the credit card of the ass crack. Right through the ass crack. I said, I must be an ass crack. Oh, that was the other shit from Ludacris. Pussy popping. Pussy. Pussy popping. Yep. 
Bom, 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 bom. Bom, 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 bom. That beat to that song is dope. Pussy popping on a handstand, that shit. Or the or the cheat videos that will get on there and it was just dirty as fuck. What's that shit? Uh, I wanna <laughs> kick it tonight. So won't you There's tell me what that thing smell like? AJ AJ right now was <laughs> like, uh, I can't relate. I'm sorry, fellas. <laughs> No, no, no. AJ, AJ can relate, but I'm not better than you think. Uncut. I actually said BT after dark, so I said it's the wrong one, but it was uncut. Yeah, definitely okay. Uncut. See, AJ can relate. Yeah. Yeah. So, don't, hey, don't, hey, don't judge AJ. AJ is more who. Yeah, I'm judging. Yeah. AJ's like, I'm blocked from the waist down. Yeah. I know, I know you guys didn't switch. I was about to say that too. I was like, yeah. This isn't first-hand knowledge. I'm just assuming. I mean, it's still more, gross. It's still it's still gross. Utah than it does about me, but shit, man. I mean, <coughs> man, it was my shit back in the day. There you go. Cool. As it should. Dude, yeah. I was right, so yeah. Rockaway, Pella Pella, fucking Sean John. Like, that was all my shit. You, wow. you were a teenager, <coughs> Walter? Yeah. <laughs> Wearing all the black people. Wearing all the black people clothes. <laughs> this is, that's why he's my co-host, bro. Shit like that. That's why he's my co-host. That's what's up. Just gotta be honest, man. Wow. Yeah. He said, back. He said, "Wow." <laughs> no, this is the kind of shit. This is, this is a regular conversation me and him have all the time. Hey. Shit like this. I I personally would rock Fubu right now or Pele Pele oh, or absolutely. I'm yeah, gonna, no what doubt. was it? I used to love Fila. Fila was my shit. I used to rock yeah. so much Fila. They're still making it. They still they making them. All right, yeah, I had the Fila fit. I had Fila everything. I was a Fubu. I was a Fubu guy. Uh, like a flea market back in the day, and they have all the ripoffs of all the hip hop label brand shit. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, they still have that. They still yeah. have that shit. They still got it. They had this uh, this fucking. Uh, it was like a polo shirt that had what was supposed to be the FB, like it looked like the Fubu logo, mm-hmm. but they yeah. the FB Sport or something like that. PB. Yeah. <laughs> fucking PB. I had that shit too for a while. I just got whatever I could. If it looked good when I was traveling somewhere, I just got got it. And went with it. They still got that shit to slot and swap me. <laughs> Everywhere, actually. Every yeah. swap meet in the hood, they still had that type of stuff. And yeah. Every little side market down in Tijuana. That's what we got. It. AJ, AJ used to be the Elvis Presley of black clothing. <laughs> Damn. Fucking <laughs> Utah. Yeah. Uh, 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 that guy. Okay, so uh, real quick, let's go ahead and drop, uh, get into dropping that uh, news, and then we'll get back to the actual uh, subject. So real quick, dropping that news. Thank you. So the real big thing that's happened pretty much this last weekend, entertainment-wise, is uh, they announced that uh, Taika Waititi uh, is going to be directing a new Star Wars movie. And he actually did probably the two best episodes of The Mandalorian. And I I just rewatched that last night because, you know, made the fourth with you. And both of those are dope, so I I would love to see what we would do with Star Wars. He's uh, He's the Jojo Rabbit guy, right? Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok, which is what I what got me on them. Uh, and uh, what's the other shit? Um, we uh, what we do in the shadows? That's him. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. He's a good he's a good filmmaker. He's good. Yes, he is. And very funny. So yeah, re- real real good sense of humor, man. So yeah, they put him on board Star Wars. Like I said, they get a lot of good reception from that one. The, what I think a couple of episodes he did, they were fucking great too. I think it's like the, the season finale too. So it was really good. 
Uh, also, okay. another another big thing that's kind of going on viral right now: the training video of Mike Tyson coming back for a Boston comeback at age 53. Yeah, I posted something about that. I've never been more frightened looking at a man hit a bag. It's crazy in my life. Yeah. Now, look, I'm I'm not going to say – I'm not going to say that he – I just have to make sure I say this very carefully, right? I'm not going to say the man is not a beast. I'm not going to say that I'm – Be careful, Mike. One, fight the man ever. Like, total respect. Uh But the question has to be asked, can you come back once too often? Because if he's coming back at 53 and he's fighting 25, 30-year-old guys, there may be some there. Now, I, I don't know. I'll be honest. I haven't stayed as up on boxing as I have on MMA. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, fuck, to be honest, there's too many fucking world champs at any one time to pay attention to. There's, it's, it's hard to just, like, try to keep an eye on it. But he's basically coming back undefeated. So, you know, if he's coming back in – it's going to be a pretty big deal. The question is, who does he fight, and is it going to be coming back once too often? Well, I can say as an avid watcher of boxing, there's not one heavyweight except maybe Tyson Fury that could take a punch from Mike Tyson. Not well, one. And the other thing, too, because I, I listen to a lot of listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff with Mike. Um, you know, he talks about the shift that he's kind of had in his personality, especially once he started smoking weed and he kind of, you know, mellowed out a lot more. So that's the other mm-hmm. question, too, because when you had, you know, young world champ Mike, I mean, he was he was hungry, man. He wanted to eat the guy on the other end of the ring. Like, he was there to murder them. Literally. I want to eat your babies. I want to eat the babies. He, wanted, he wanted to eat them, literally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he was bloodthirsty. And you listen to him now, and, like, I mean, he's he's evolved. Like, he, he sounds like a more, like, mellow, chill, like, yeah. reasonable guy for the most part. Again, no disrespect. I don't ever want to be in the other, ring, other end of the ring with this guy. But it's a question he got asked because a lot shifted for him, not just the age, but also the mentality and the mindset. Yeah. Uh, it could be – I mean, it's it's either going to be – one way or another, it's going to be the hottest fucking ticket, whoever yeah. is fighting. And that's what I was – that's what I actually was about to get to because the fact that, like, win or lose, it's Mike fucking Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, that's dude in terms of box office drop for boxing – Floyd Mayweather may say, Floyd Mayweather may say whatever, but at the end of the day, you no, were watching the fucking Mike Tyson. This comeback oh, yeah. is probably one of the best things for boxing in at least the last 15 years. I mean, it's going to yeah. be killer for the sport. Mm-hmm. But again, the question, because there's two things here, right? Like, on the one hand, we're going to talk entertainment. Hands down, home run, fucking do it tomorrow. Start printing the tickets. Let's get this thing done. Mm-hmm. But just on the humanity side of things, I got to see it and go, man, like, I mean, I, look, I don't want to see Mike lose in a way that, that, that ends up horrible. And I also don't necessarily want to see him eat somebody's babies either. So it's just <laughs> these things where it's like, I don't know. I don't know which way it's going to go, if it's going to end up being great for him or bad for him. But it just seems like he's hey, uh, with that shit. Hey, uh, don't interrupt you, but real quick, Mike. Audio starting to real up as well. So, yeah. Let me, right back, let me be right back and like, uh, go ahead and keep talking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Go ahead and start with the first subject, which is uh, the celebrity involvement in WCW. And I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Well, hey, so I'll, I'll do the outro for you since your, your audio uh, went to shit. Well, anyway, that's been dropping this news. Dropping that news. All right. All right. Great outro. Great outro. <laughs> okay, JD's better. But that's why you know, we tag team it. 
All right, so yeah. Monday Night Wars, we're waiting for JD to jump back in, but he did give us a, a good prompt to jump into. Celebrity involvement. Um, there were some aspects of it that I think we can all agree were, were positive. There were other aspects that were flat out disastrous. And actually, since we're talking about Mike Tyson, um, it might be a good spot to, to, to jump off on. Well, yeah, he, uh, I mean, that was, that was WWE. That was when he, uh, he came in during that old DX. Shawn Michaels uh, versus uh, Stone Cold heading into WrestleMania 14 in 98. And, uh, you know, it's funny. That was probably the best thing at that time. Because in hindsight, you think about it, like at that point, Mike Tyson had kind of already retired from boxing. But think about it. When Vince McMahon made that move, it was literally fresh off the heels of that whole controversy with him biting Holyfield. It was about maybe a few months to a year earlier. So everybody was still buzzing about Mike Tyson. And Vince McMahon, got old Vince McMahon, Kennedy McMahon, he's the king of capitalizing on, on, on business while it's hot. And that's what he did. You know, he knew Mike Tyson was the talk of the town. They knew, he knew he was a, a live wire, always has been, but, you know. And he was like, I need something that's going to not only draw people to the product at the time, the WWE product, but mostly he needed something to shut WCW down. And that was one of the, that was one of many. That was one of the final blows heading to the demise of WCW. But that's really what put, bringing Mike Tyson in was one of the things that really put WWE over WCW, at least starting that pattern. You know, this was 98, so they were still, they were still losing in the ratings, but that, that's, that helped. That really helped. And I don't know, as a kid, it was, it was a trip to me because I was just like, wow. Well, what the hell is Mike Tyson? Why is Mike Tyson here? Like, what is, what is, what is this? What is going to happen? You know, if you're going to be doing, you know, a shift where you're creating essentially the attitude of it, is there even a better celebrity than Mike Tyson? Yeah. At that time, no. He was At the most time, violent, no. unpredictable motherfucker on the planet during that yeah. time. He was the best thing you could do to bring in, to usher in, like you said, uh, uh, an attitude error, a, a dangerous man into a dangerous thing that you were trying to, you know. I was just hoping that Mike Tyson wasn't going to snap and just start whooping ass. <laughs> because if that was the case, everybody's reputation would have been done from yeah. that day. Because you're going to try and wrestle Mike Tyson? The whole time he's going to be punching you. He's going to be punching you in the ribs, going to be punching you in the head, he's going to punch you in the back. You're done at that point. You're done. What, do you, what can Cold, you do? Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, I think it was either on his podcast or an interview, a shoot interview I saw, he made a point of saying that he really, really, really did not think pushing Mike Tyson the way he did, or no, no getting in his face, and then Tyson pushed him. Yeah. Uh, Stone Cold, at, at, like during a, a couple of interviews, was like, "Hell, son, he could beat my ass." <laughs> like, yeah. He was yeah. like, he said when Mike Tyson pushed him, he was like, "Oh shit, I gotta still play this tough redneck." But damn, like if I really start throwing fists at Mike Tyson, he's going he's gonna to body me. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys ever watch uh, – shit, I can't remember who's, uh, whose roast it was, but Mike Tyson was on the panel. Did you ever see that one? Uh, he was on a couple, wasn't it? This Comedy Central? I just remember yeah, I, I just remember there was one specifically, and whoever was was going hard at Mike, he was talking shit about the face tattoo, and he said – I think it was Jezelnik might have said something about it. I was like, so why did what, you get your face tattooed so it can make converting to Islam the second dumbest decision you've ever made? Some shit like that. 
And oh. Mike, like, it's a fucking roast. Like, you know going in. Again, this is post-Mike. Mike's chilled out. So you know going in, okay, people are going to gonna give us some shit. We're going we're gonna to joke, and it's fine. You know, it, it's just people talking, and it's to make people laugh. That's what it's supposed to be. Fucking, uh, what's his name? The roast master had to come over and, like, pat Mike on the shoulder. Like, come Jeff on. Jeff Ross. Yeah. Jeff Ross. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was watching this going, oh, my God, Mike Tyson's about to murder somebody. <laughs> again looking at it mike tyson now versus mike tyson 98 <sighs> i mean here's the thing like we always talk about like being a mark right we're, we're kids we're watching this shit it's hard as a kid because you fall so easy in that suspension of disbelief the people are, are staying in character and they're going playing the part they're doing the thing it's hard for us sometimes to separate reality from the fiction yeah, yeah. like mike I'm yeah, Santa, like it could have been the fucking end of the WWE if they didn't play that right and Mike snapped and he took something too seriously. Holy well, God. you can say that from the night before at the Royal Rumble. When yeah. I'm watching him, he eats Stone Cold wins. He's going oh, nuts, bad. hitting Shane and pushing Shane. And I'm looking at Shane like, oh, Shane looked like he is nervous as hell right now. He has to return. He has to return. Hey, you yeah. I'm back. <laughs> So we're in, the middle, we're in the middle of the Mike Tyson talk. Here, here's the good okay. thing, too. Here's the good thing. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. The points you guys are making about him being a live wire and what he could have possibly done, especially back then, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But you also got to – and he said this, and a lot of wrestlers that were there during that time, Stone Cold, anybody that was involved, Shawn Michaels, they all have said, and even Vince McMahon, keep in mind, Mike Tyson up to that point was a huge mark for wrestling. He actually really was. He admits yeah. this. Oh yeah, so absolutely. He when he came in there, he you're right, he could have he could have snapped and done some dumb shit, hurt somebody. But he came in there at 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 a point where he was such a fan, he was such a mark for 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 the business that I think Mike just told himself, I have to fucking behave. <laughs> he really was like, I can't mess this up. I really I really like these guys, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, 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 there was some concern. Yeah. Oh god, that would be true. Cause that's what I thought. I thought I was like, they're gonna have him in the ring with with somebody. Who would be crazy gonna... enough to do that shit? Mick Foley. I was about to say. I was just about to say <laughs> no. Mick. No, nah, even Mick Foley's like, I'm not taking a punch from him. I'm not. Okay. Even if you pull it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Now uh, you talked about Tyson. So I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about you know WrestleMania 14, his big yes. involvement. Yeah, we talked about the whole big, lead up. Yeah, yeah, the big angle, the big angle with him and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's cool. Uh, let's get to the WCW side of this shit because WCW would use the celebrity card to the fucking One of the best <laughs> things they did. It's, it's kind of ironic because when they brought in, I'm going, I'm going from Dennis Rodman and Carl uh, Malone. Yeah. That was a great match when they had that tag team match. That was mm-hmm. actually a great match. It was yeah, Diamond Dallas well, yeah. Page and Carl Malone versus uh, Hulk Hogan. And, and Dennis Rodman, the worm, the worm. Yeah, and I'm sitting there like, how is Carmelo gonna come off? I know Carmelo hates Dennis Rodman on and off mm-hmm. the court. So how is this yeah. gonna go? Is it gonna turn but, into a real shooting? You start beating the hell out of me? What? And Carmelo, Carmelo could actually work a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. He what was it? I think it was the uh, it was the Goldberg versus Hogan championship match where Goldberg won the title for the first time, and it was that crazy pop. There's a spot where Carmelo comes down and does a diamond cutter on Kurt Henning. I think that was 
I think it was that match on the outside of the ring. Was it that match? It might have been. Yeah, I think it was. It, it might have been. When I think it was during on the outside. Kurt Henning, Kurt Henning was was a heel during the time, and I think he was in favor of Hogan or something because of the whole NWO. He was in the NWO. And Carmelo came it? down. And, oh yeah, yeah it was. It, it was that match. It was. And Carmelo came down with DDP to help right. you know to help Goldberg because they were the baby faces. And Carl Malone yeah. did a pretty damn good, did a damn good diamond cutter on yeah. Kurt Henning on the outside. I was like, that was a pretty good diamond cutter. Like, that was pretty yeah. good. So he could work. He could actually work a little bit. Yeah, so funny enough, uh, from what I've been told, they gave him just a little bit, like a basic bit of wrestling training, kind of showed him what, what it would be, so it'd be real quick. Nothing too crazy, nothing too nothing too hurtful, because both of them are, you know, world class athletes, and both of them were. I think they were in like the playoffs at the time uh-huh. when they were actually doing the shit yeah. for WCW. Yeah. So yeah, make sure they don't get hurt, and they did a great job. And fucking, they came in there, great business for WCW, did great numbers, great pay per view, um, you know, viewing and all that shit. So it was it was a good little slam dunk there. Also, they tried to extend it though uh, with the celebrity involvement at WCW. With Jay Leno. Oh, sweet Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. So, wow. they, so, yeah, AJ, they did a segment, storyline, where, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff basically invaded the Tonight Show uh, on air. <laughs> and I they watched that. It actually took over the Tonight Show for a segment or two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then next thing you know, they started extending this for weeks and weeks on end. Actually, Bischoff actually had them build a set like the Tonight Show. Or Nitro, he would come out and do. He would come out <laughs> and do a ass, Yeah, he would come out and do a lame ass monologue and have Miss Elizabeth be his like epic man and shit, you know. And like it, it was whatever, you know. And then of course it culminated with an actual match. I think it was a Hog Wild or one of them type. One of yes, Sturgis, Hog Wild. One of, yeah, Hog one Wild. of Sturgis ones. And yeah. then there's one particular spot that has become infamous now. Where Jay Leno gets Hulk Hogan in an arm bar, and Hulk Hogan is selling it, you know, like, oh my God, he's killing me or whatever. And then, of course, famously, Terry Funk actually, I think, he told somebody, he said, the day Jay Leno put Hulk Hogan in an arm bar is the day that Hulk had a pro wrestling died. Oh, wow. What about. Wait, what Say that again? Yeah. Uh, we don't get to finger poke doom, but it was. Keep, keep on the celebrity involvement for right now, but yeah, well, but yeah, and then Hulk Hogan died. <laughs> this day, Hulk Hogan died. Not pro wrestling. Yeah, Hulk Hogan died. Yeah, oh, he it died. said that. Okay, wow. I mean, right. and Hogan, Hogan probably got a hell of a payday for that, but still, that's that is kind of rough. You gotta sell. You gotta sell for Jay Leno. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to the finger poke because there's actually significance with the finger poke in terms of the whole Monday Night Wars in general. He loves that finger uh, poke. Yeah, but yeah, at the very yeah, towards the very end, they just started getting desperate with the celebrity shit at WCW. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it Jay Leno's uh, band leader of the band that came in and gave Eric Bischoff a diamond cutter or something like that? It, it was a, it was Kevin Eubanks from the, from the yeah. Tonight Show band. He did a pretty decent diamond cutter. I just wish he didn't do all taunts before then hit it. And I'm like, dude, you always yeah, so it was much Kevin time Eubanks. Right That's who it was. But, like, after that shit, then they started bringing in Master P and the fucking No Limit Souls. Yeah, I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, they had a little faction. Master P apparently loved that shit so much, he's been trying to do his own wrestling thing for years now. Let's start his own yeah, wrestling. Master, Master P tried any and everything to make money. Yes, That's he all did. It is. 
Mm-hmm. And, and then, again, got so desperate to the point where they actually just started bringing in, like, bands like Megadeth and Kiss to just have concerts on Monday Nitro. Nothing to yep. do with any storyline. Just, like, you come watch Monday Nitro, get a fucking free Kiss concert. Well, that's Here's when a- you starting to get your ass kicked in the ratings at that point. Here's just a fun fact. Here's yep. a fun quick side note, fun fact about that whole Master P thing. So, in a shoot interview, you, everybody knows who New Jack is. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, uh, I, I don't. I think it was Eric Eric Bischoff. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I heard about this. He at one yeah, time wanted to bring New Jack in to be part of that whole Master P angle because you know New, New Jack used to wear the, the camouflage. He's from Ooh. the South too, and apparently Kevin Nash cock blocked the shit out of that and was like, "No, no. you're not bringing him." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not bringing New Jack. Yeah, you can't control because <laughs> you can't control yeah. New Jack. And you know what? He cop blocked it, but it was probably for a reason because New Jack would have fucked some shit up. <laughs> yeah, ain't no, ain't no, definitely he would have. He's dangerous. Yeah. That's a dangerous. I mean, man. if you watch, if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring with his story, yeah. yes, hell yeah. no, you couldn't bring Listen, that dude into your promotion. That hell man, no. that man is responsible for, I would say, four to five of the worst. Incidences in wrestling history. He's, yes. he's he's a part of at least five of those things, and I'm talking about every every horrible thing that has happened in wrestling. He's involved in five. <laughs> I still enjoy it when he beat the hell out that kid, though. I still enjoy Eric, it. Eric, Mass uh, Transit. Eric, yeah, yeah, Eric Kulas. Yeah. That's what he gets. That's what his ass get. Yeah. Really? Yeah, but he, he killed, yeah, yeah, he, he almost killed that boy. <laughs> but he li- but the boy lied. Oh, the boy lied about everything. Said he was yeah. 21. Yep, he deserved it. Fuck him. And then tried to fucking uh, run the match. Like, who the fuck? Like, really? <laughs> he tried to call a match. Your first really match, you trying to call spots? He tried to call spots. New Jack said, New Jack said when they went to court, <laughs> the, the, the judge, at, you know, because the father of Eric, was it Eric Coulier? Eric uh, was Kulas. Kulas, excuse me. You know, the father was going off calling New Jack the N-word and get off my son, he's 17, you dirty, da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And when they went to court, you know, Paul Heyman was speaking on the behalf of New Jack, and New Jack oh, said, yeah, 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 yeah. So when the judge was like, uh, you know, repeat what the man said to New Jack, and Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman was like, well, he said the N-word. And the judge was like, for the record, I need you to actually say the word. Yeah, New Jack said Paul Heyman yeah, looked at him and was like, New Jack, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he called him. <laughs> yeah, he did it out loud. Yeah, that shit. Oh man! And apparently, that was the moment that swayed it in the New Jason uh, favorite too, because of the fact that it woke it woke people up, and then also the fact that the kid lied. Yeah, eventually it came in New Jason. Oh, yeah, the kid the kid was lying. So yeah, he lied um, about his age. Yeah, yes, he did. In fact, so, I believe the kid has passed away now. Yeah, he, he died. He did. He die. died uh, from gastric he, from gastric bypass uh, complications. Yeah, he tried to get gastric to lose weight, and it did something. Gave him a heart attack some years later, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it had nothing to do with New Jack. So. No, <laughs> New Jack came back and finally killed, finished him off. I'm back. No, it had nothing to do with New Jack. No, but yeah, like I said, that's how desperate WCW got at the end. Yeah, and yep. one major rivalry I want to talk about, which was kind of the linchpin of the Monday Night Wars, Austin versus McMahon. Hmm. Finally get into that. And like that pretty much that was that was the show. Listen. For like for like the better part of like two or three years. That was that was Monday Night Raw. Just to see what yep. fucking happened between Austin and McMahon. Yep. Every yep. week they just went after each other. You know what I'm saying? Until until Stone Cold turned heel in two thousand one, that was the yep. main storyline of everything yep. involving the attitude era. 
Was those yeah, two? Well, yeah. yeah, it was actually. It was. Yeah, so just kind of giving the overall view for like the viewers who don't know. So basically, they had a storyline between the owner of the WWF, who was exposed as the owner of the WWF, Vince McMahon, uh, after the Montreal Screwjob, he's made it known or whatever. And his new uh, upstart, uh, freaking, you know, anti-establishment uh, champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The whole get down was Vince wanted Stone Cold to be molded into his image of what a WWE superstar should be. Somebody who should be polished, somebody who wears suits, somebody who doesn't use colorful language or drink <laughs> beer in public. And of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin did not give a fuck about any of that. And uh, it got to the point where they just started doing more and more elaborate shit to each other. And then, uh, like I said, a lot of people give Stone Cold the big credit, like he's the first one to put hands on this man. No, he's not. Bret Hart was the first yes. one to put hands on this When he shoved him yes. down. Uh, That's right. So, but yeah, Bret Hart was really the one that kind of set up the whole ascent of Mr. McMahon. But that's another story for another day. Uh, also, uh, another thing I wanted to get into, uh, we'll, we'll get back to it with the celebrity involvement thing. I actually rewatched the fucking Mad TV thing with Bret Hart. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with him and uh, him, Will Sasso, and all that shit. He did not you watched, like you Will Sasso. No, but they, they did it. They, it didn't work shoot style like uh like like what happened on uh since, you, since AJ loves talking about Kaufman the shit that happened on Fridays it yeah. did a something similar you know what I'm saying where you know Andy Kaufman went off script you know did his other shit and then you know got into a little match with uh Michael Richards and shit online online though especially these days they try to they try to pass it off that it was a, a complete shoot and it really wasn't. Yeah. It was a work shoot, bro. And they did a good job too. They did a very and, good job. And uh Bret Hart, uh yeah, yeah, Bret Hart had appeared on Mad TV. Uh he did a skit where he was playing like uh, this kid's bodyguard. His family was bullying him and some shit like that. And in the shit in the skit, uh Will Sasso played the dad, and then it, the skit ends with uh uh him putting Bret Hart on his shoulders and doing like a you know, little fireman's carry with Bret Hart and shit. And Brett was still with the WWF when he did the first skit. He came back again uh, like a year later when he was in WCW. He was the U.S. champion for WCW. And like they make they made it so that Brett remembered that skit. He was like, you know what? This dude put me here last time. He, put, he spun me around like I was his bitch. And then, you know, then, yeah, it starts out. that. He It starts out with him getting too rough with one of the cast. I believe it was Deborah Wilson. Deborah Wilson, yeah. She's wearing a wig, and he's like, he put on like an arm bar, and she's like, you know, fuck, it hurts, stop. And then she breaks character, and then everybody starts breaking character, like, you know. And it was supposed to be like a Jesse Ventura skit, and Will Sasso was Jesse Ventura. And then, like, finally, oh, he actually pushed the shit out of Phil Lamar, too. I remember that Bret Hart. Like, wow, fuck. And then they, everybody starts breaking character, and then finally cracks fucking Will Sasso with a goddamn chair, starts beating his ass, and then puts him finally in the fucking uh, Scorpion Deathlock. At the end of the skit, he's like, Sharp shooter. Did I, did I say Scorpion Death yes, Yeah, that, that was Sting's version. And it was actually you different. Know what? <laughs> you know what? I, yeah. I stopped, my, I stopped myself. I apologize. I got so worked up. That was the sharpshooter. The sharpshooter, excuse me. And he put, yeah, he put, either way, he put Will Sasso in the shit and put, fucked him up real quick. It and was he, excellent, too. And he's like, man, TV could bite you. <laughs> <laughs> I felt as though Bret Hart had a flashback to like when he was facing Shawn Michaels. And that's the person that he saw as soon as he slapped it on Will Sasso. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. You yeah, you can, can you can see the hatred in his face. It's like yeah. I don't think he's acting. <laughs> I don't think he's acting yeah. at all. All right, but uh, real quick, back to Austin McMahon. Now, throughout this uh, the beginning of '98, Austin McMahon had been doing his thing left and right, where it's like it's very clear that Vince McMahon did not want. Uh, Steve Austin as his champion, and he would do things to sabotage Steve Austin or just outright attack him. And finally, on April 13, 1998, uh, Stone Cold apparently had enough. So he went in the ring, held Raw hostage, and demanded Vince McMahon come out and asked him, number one, who's my new, who's going to be my uh, opponent, whatever. And then he starts pointing out that every time you describe your ideal champion, you're describing yourself to a T. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? It's just like everybody likes when I put the title on the line. Tonight, I'm going to put the title on the line. And my opponent will be Mr. Vince McMahon. Now, that was at the beginning of the fucking show. And throughout the entire show, they do backstage vignettes with, uh, you know, Vince and the Stooges, like Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, coaching them on, like, getting ready and shit. And it's like, it was kind of wishy-washy for, like, the first hour of the show. Then finally, Vince comes out in the middle of a fucking match and just interrupts two jobbers. And he's like, you know what? Uh, the decision I'm going to make is going to upset people that are preceding me. He points up to his, you know, his father or whatever. But sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. So will I face Stone Cold Steve Austin in this very ring tonight? Oh, hell yeah. And the crowd went fucking nuts. And next, the next thing you know, the rest of this show is them, like, the Jim Ross and everybody trying to talk him out of it. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. Go to the car. Get my gym bag. I'm doing this shit. <laughs> it, was, it was so dope, man. And then, of course, they, they build it up for, like, two hours or whatever. And then finally, it's match time. Last segment of the night, Vince comes out. He's like, everybody, nobody knew how buff fucking Vince was at that time. Like, Fuck, like, fuck. Yeah, he's a good check. He got yeah. muscles. He's actually bigger than Steve Austin in some in some respects, whatever. Like, but then Stone Cold comes out, and then actually during the first promo in the beginning of the night, Stone Cold says, "I can beat your ass with one arm tied behind your back." And of course, Vince brings that up in the end. It's like, wait a minute, you said <laughs> you could beat Vince McMahon with one arm tied behind your back. Is that what you said? So they have a little rope and they try to like, you know, he actually said, he, he actually says it like this. You told me you could beat me with an arm behind your back. <laughs> yeah, that shit. You got any guts? Yeah, he just starts taunting him and shit. I love how he keeps fucking with uh, he keeps him, sit it up, sit it up, ref, sit it up. It's not tight, no, sit it up, sit it up, sit it up. No, don't do that arm. Let's do the stunner arm. Yeah, the, the stunner right arm. arm. Yeah, I love how he keeps calling him hot shot. Hot shot. Come on, hot shot. Come on, cinch it up, cinch it up. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Man. And then he and still then, ended up beating the hell out of all three of them, too, didn't he? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, wait, no. They just kept building it up and kept building it up and kept building it up. Oh, that's up. right, nothing happened that point, night, yeah. Yeah, at, at one point, Vince actually has a mouthpiece, and then, like, when he puts the mouthpiece in, he gets in this corner, Stone Cold gets in the corner. The crowd is ready. Now, all of a sudden, they play fucking Duke Love's music. Oh, he came out. Yeah, he did a run. That's right. Even Mick Foley's like, I'm the dude that single-handedly ruined the best two hours of Raw that we had ever had. Well, they wanted to build it up. They didn't want to. They didn't want to. You know what I'm saying? They didn't want to blow their load too quick on that. They wanted to. They wanted to make that crowd wait. It seemed like a WCW type of idea. It was. But but the the great thing about it was it worked. This night, 
when they did this Austin versus McMahon thing, this is the very first night that broke the 83-week streak that WCW had over WWF. They actually won that huh. night. Wow. So that was that wow. was really what it, yeah, that's really what uh what counts here. He didn't get the match, but it brought everybody in. They beat so the Raiders that night. So the hype, the hype. And that was the, that was that was the first of many times they. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then yeah. there was actually uh, after that, they, like uh, in the weeks and months after that, like Vince would always come up with these schemes of fucking getting these different people to pretty much do his dirty work for him, and you know get the title from Steve Austin, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, there was a four-week period, which I think is probably the best four-week period that Monday Night Raw ever had, where it was right after uh, the Judgment Day, where Kane and Undertaker had beat Stone Cold Steve Austin for his title. And they had stipulated that Kane cannot beat Undertaker, Undertaker cannot beat Kane. Yeah. And the only way for either one of them to win is to beat Steve Austin. So both of them did. They, they, they pinned them simultaneously. There was no champion. So they had Vince had this big presentation. He had the belt in the ring. Brought out. You don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly. the infamous. You don't have it anymore. Yeah, it's mine. No, no, yeah, it's mine. And then it's mine. And then it's mine. And he flicks them off. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. It's mine. With the belt. It's mine. Drive away. You son of a bitch. You don't have it anymore. That was great. Yeah. Oh God. Oh yeah. So Vince has this big uh, prodigious ceremony or whatever. And then <laughs> it comes fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin driving a goddamn Zamboni. And I remember oh, watching Zamboni, this shit live. I was like, what the fuck? Look at that hockey thing? What the fuck? I remember. Shit, boy. Yeah. And it ain't actually funny enough, when he was driving through the shit, he actually ran over the audio. So a certain sections of the country didn't get the audio of the show. But they saw yeah. everything. And Stone Cold comes out with the fucking Zamboni. The crowd is fucking nuts. Joe that was one of the biggest, yeah. one of the biggest pops oh in God. WWE history. And he just learned how to drive that thing earlier like that day. Right, right, yeah, earlier that right day. Before, right, yeah. right before, yep. Right before. Jim Ross said the building was shaking. They popped so hard for that whole segment. It was crazy. Oh my God! And then he, of course, they arrested Austin again, as they always do. <laughs> I'm favorite, not through with you, Vince. Yeah. I'm not no. through with you not yet by a long shot. My favorite time that they ever arrested <laughs> Steve Austin was the night after he won the title. And okay. he was like, oh, yeah, because yeah, he, he attacked Vince McMahon. He had to leave the easy way, hard way, promo, or whatever. And he stunned uh, Vince McMahon. Vince called the police. They came and got Steve. And he's like, fucking, this is some hell of a real, son. Like, where's he at? It's funny. Look at me. Look at me. And, and, and Vince McMahon, you deserve this. And he's just like, he's still handcuffed. Bone rushing him up. <laughs> I was like, that shit was funny. He pushed him into like, yo, he pushed him into like some electrical shit. I was like, that's fucking funny. That was a big deal. He, he, was, he yeah. was getting Stone Cold arrested like every week. It was like a recurring thing. It was electric. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this night was great too because he's like, you know, he's rushing backstage and they're taking him to the, uh, you know, they're still doing the promo. I ain't through with you, Vince. Yeah, I ain't through with you, not yet by a long shot. Not yet by a long that's, shot. That's, yeah, that's some bitch ain't gonna be safe from Stone Cold. And then the fucking police do keep grabbing his head like, all right, all right, it's cool. I've done it before. I've done it before. That's <laughs> great. Get, take, yeah, he's gonna take his ass to jail. Take his ass to jail. You're gonna you son of a bitch, bitch. <laughs> you're gonna jail. Take yeah, his ass to jail. That was great. That was great. But then, but then, what they done show right after that, he went back to the ring with the Undertaker and Kane, start talking shit to them, and then he faced the mistake. Of flicking, 
Yeah, flicking them off and then the He said, you have one more time. He warned yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> you have one more time to get out of line with one of us. <laughs> you, like, I think he said, you better watch your ass. Yeah, yep. He warned him. You've, and then Jim, Jim Ross on top commentary says, oh, Vince McMahon, you've been warned. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah Vince, Vince gives him the double birds. Undertaker catches his ass. Oh, he caught me. Mm. caught they start beating the shit oh, out of him. And then, caught goes, red and then they get the stairs. Bam. Plus up his ankle. And Vince sold, Vince sold the hell out of that, too. Yes, when, he, when he lifted up the stairs, Vince's ankle, ankle was like at a third degree, if you notice. <laughs> but, uh, how, he, how he was shaking. <laughs> he sold the hell out of that, dude. But, yeah, that, that, began, that began the whole Mr. McMahon in the wheelchair little thing that they had yep. for a little while. Yep. The next week after that is this man is basically in the hospital from the injuries that he sustained the week before. Oh, basically my God. Irritable and being a, yeah, being a complete dick to the fucking nursing staff and all this other shit. Like, <laughs> I, love, I love when he's talking, talking to the nurse who's doing the blood pressure shit. Like, just a moment. Like, you're doing that shit. Just a moment last time. Every time you've done this, it's been normal. Every single time. And she's like, it's, it's okay, it's okay. I can't wait to get out of here. And it do, is it normal? Is it normal? <laughs> he keeps doing that, and then, then oh yeah, then mankind visits him first. With Yerpel, Yerpel the clown, clown, and like fucking, she gives like balloon animals and shit. Oh yeah, and then he introduces Mr. Sacco. That was the first time they ever <laughs> that was Mr. the Sacco debut. Was like, yeah, that was the debut of Mr. Sacco. It's yep. Mr. Sacco, <laughs> and Vince is like, get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. But he's like, Mick, Mick, yeah, no, yeah, no, Mick. Yeah. No, to, to this day, he said the moment that sold Mr. Sacco was right as he's leaving, and this is alone, he goes like, Mr. Sacco. That, that was the moment that sold Mr. Sacco. <laughs> but then after that, yeah, uh, also, uh, then uh, the nurse is doing the little thing uh, with blood, his blood pressure, and there's, there's the nurse, and then there's another doctor in the room. You don't see his face. And the nurse is like, well, that's fine with me. How about you, doctor? Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. What's great about that, what's even great about that is the minute Vince hears that voice, how he sells it, he, he just does this look like, no, 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 he knew it, like he sold it, he sold that yeah. so well, because he was like, oh, fuck, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, he's, he's doing like this, like, I'll take it from here, nurse. And then he looks, yep. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. But then, like, the one thing I remember more than anything else from that segment oh was that God. damn bedpan smacking on the top of Vince's head. Solid, stop, a solid steel bedpan hit him on, on top of the head. And, and Vince, when he, told just, yeah, Vince told him just do it, man. Just, <laughs> and when he sticks the, the colonic machine up his ass, and he's oh. like, I always knew you were full of shit, Vince. But tonight we're really going to feel so, really so, yeah, find I'm out full how full of shit, shit you really are. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, he does. He does the defibrillation first. Oh, the defibrillator! The greatest, the greatest segment in WWE history. I'm sorry, top five, hands it, down, top five. It was, it was great, man. Like, 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 but then after that, like I said, this is a four week period. Yeah. Then the next week after that, he comes back to the arena and he has that Corvette. He's like, like, yeah, I, I, want, I want Austin here. I want him to come in. I want him to have no interruption, okay? Like, let him in. And he parks his Corvette in the middle of, like, the arena's, like, parking lot or whatever. Then a little bit later, Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up with a goddamn fucking cement truck. And I was like, hey, I got a free invite. He said, let me in. So I came in. They say, you know, Steve with another goddamn vehicle comes driving in there. 
and starts pouring cement into that new into that Corvette window. Apparently, that was a prop Corvette, according to Vince. It was, it was yeah, like a they, prop, they, like a movie, 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 like a movie prop car. It's yeah, a they, they, to throw away on a gag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> that, show, that shows you how far Vince McMahon is willing to go to get some shit over. Man. Oh yeah, that will show you how not a real Corvette too. But but the the big kicker of that was the whole you know you filling up the whole thing with cement and then the windows break. All the windows bust out, cement's pouring everywhere and shit. And like and then uh, Jr's commentary that. during that is great too. Jr Jr Lawler's commentary is great. Yeah. And then that night uh, he does the stipulation where we're gonna do another match to determine the new WWE champion in our next our next big pay per view or whatever the fuck. And you're gonna be the special guest referee, Stone Cold. And if you don't count one of these people's hands as a new champion, I promise you, I guarantee you, I will fire your ass this Sunday. Pay-per-view comes, and of course, it's Kane and Undertaker. They have the match. Uh, Stone Cold says, fuck both of them and stuns both of them. I think, I think, he, I think, he, hit, I think he hit him with chairs, too. And then he yes. counts. And he, he does the uh, double count out on both of them. One, two, three. And then he announces, and the winner is... Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's like, I know where you at, Vince. Like, uh, bring your yellow ass out here. Pretty much daring Vince McMahon to fire him. Yeah. And then Vince comes out or whatever. He's like, I warned you. Screw you, Austin. You're fired. And he's like, really? Oh, okay. Like, I didn't really think you'd have the guts to do it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you had the balls to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then the Monday Night Raw after that, this is actually my all-time. This, you're talking about the best segment of all time. This is my all-time favorite song. Is this when he was in the hunting gear? The hun- hunting stone goals? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they built that shit up. That, oh, God, they built that night up so great. That, that, hey, AJ, we always talk about a good storyline. Storyline-wise, that was probably the best Raw ever. because they Such a good build-up. Perfect. Great build-up. Yeah, they did. Oh, my God. And, and like, Parades and the ticker tape and shit, like, oh my god, what a wonderful day! Oh, all superstars. You're freezing. To the ring to JD, you're frozen. You're frozen. You're frozen, sir. And you can't. And, and we can't hear him. Me? Fr- yeah, you, yes. you're frozen. Yeah. You Your video's frozen. You're frozen like this. See me. <laughs> this is you. Tell us. Yeah, you're. This is you. Yeah. Uh, can you hear us? Uh, oh, okay. I'll go, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there, the there you go. Good. We're good. Are we good? Can everybody see me now? You're still kind of glitchy. You're freezing. That must be AT and T. This is slowly turning into that Babyface versus Teddy Riley battle. <laughs> is it? Can y'all not, not, not see me or hear me? We, we, I can hear you. Coming in and out. We hear you a little better We're, than we're seeing. We hear you, but you're you're okay. There you go. There you go. What the fuck, man? Huh? <laughs> Personal, I'm sure. Yeah, you gotta release the bandwidth, sir. What the fuck, man? Release the bandwidth. Alright, let's let's, <laughs> let's let's keep this thing rolling in case I freeze the fucking game. Jesus. Alright. <laughs> so I'm sending this to Jim Cornette so he can go ahead and rant. <laughs> no, don't, 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 have, don't have Jim Corny around on me, man. I don't need that in my hey, life. Hey, leave, leave Corny out of this. Leave Corny out of this. 
Cornette will fucking fire my, will fry my ass, man. I, I don't, I don't want no parts of that shit. <laughs> I love me some Jim Cornette. Okay, all right. Let's go and get to some of this other shit before like I lose, I get lost again or whatever. Okay, Goldberg. Goldberg. I tell you what, the product. The I'll, I'll I'll start off by saying the product of trying to very much as quickly as possible shoehorn in a new star, uh, because WCW was starting to lose, and they were like, "We need somebody who's as big as Austin." Austin's killing it over there. We don't have our Austin, so they found a football player who had a good look, and they didn't really have any number one stars at the time, and they needed somebody. Uh, other than the crow sting, they needed somebody else to take out the NWO. Yeah. So they, they manufactured Goldberg. Mm-hmm. They ran his ass through the power plant. You guys know the power plant was their their yeah. their um what's their it called? Their, uh, their, NXT, NXT, their uh, OVW. Word, what's the word I'm trying to think of though? Their the developmental the performance. Yeah. That was their developmental. The power plant. They literally gave him a few months of training, rushed him, and as listen, he looked great. He was very athletic, but he was very sloppy in the ring. And I'll let JD yeah. take it from there. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so they brought in Bill Goldberg. They made him this monster. AJ, you about to say something? Yeah, no, th- th- this just has to be said. It might not be that popular, but it's obvious he was basically like a poor man's carbon copy of, of Stone Cold. Oh, yeah. Looking at that, 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 No, that, that, that's, the com- that, that's the common consensus. That's, yeah, so. However, okay, yeah. that same guy had me WCW, because I was like, I gotta see how Goldberg is gonna kill somebody this week. Cause yeah, because of his intensity, his yeah, yeah. yeah he, had like, and he had a great look. He had a great look. Great look. And he was using some MMA stuff in the ring too. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, weird. unfortunately, unfortunately. Kind of, yeah, I was gonna say that was a bit odd, but it, I guess it worked for him, you know. Yeah, but here is yeah. Go ahead, AJ. Well, no, I'm just going to say, I think this is also symptomatic of, of a question that I think it's asked a lot. Did, did NWO go on too long, right? Because, I mean, at a certain point yes. where, like, they're breaking up every week and getting back together every week and reconstituting. And this is one of the things where, like, you kind of have to get down on Hulk Hogan a little bit because he had way too much to do with the story. We can talk about mm-hmm. Vince Russo and kind of where he was kind of making some narrative blunders at a minimum, right? Before we mm-hmm. there. So by the time you're bringing him in, I mean, it's – the whole thing smacks of desperation, right? I mean, if you're if you're literally yeah. carbon copying your competitor, you ain't got nothing left. And the funny yeah. thing is, WCW was kind of, they were still winning at that point. Yep. But, yeah. But they saw they saw how determined Vince was to beat them, and it started to scare the shit out of Ted Turner and, and Eric Bischoff. So they had to just mad. They had to run NWO into the ground, mm-hmm. and then they had to bring in Goldberg, and everything like you said was just everything was to Vince did things. Not so much to try to shut WCW down. He just mm-hmm. wanted to be. He just wanted to be number one, as opposed to Eric Bischoff. All his intentions were to shut WWE down. Yeah, you know? and that's what the he problem was. He had no end game. No, he had no end game. He just that. wanted to end Vince. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And he, I, I mean, there's one uh, very famous shoot interview where Hulk Hogan talks about that, where he was in a, a plane with Macho Man, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Eric Bischoff, and they in. Eric Bischoff was gloating to all of them. was like, you know, how long is Vince going to keep doing this? I'm going to put Vince McMahon out of business. And Hulk Hogan looks at him very <laughs> sincerely and says, you don't know that man. Yeah. yeah. You will never right? put him out of business. Vince, no. he wasn't playing, dude. Vince was not playing. He's like, I'm nobody, going to. 
And and nobody knew Hogan better than Vince. I mean, Hulk, yep. Vince is better than Hogan. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. dude. Of course. You're not going to do it. Yeah. Even, if you, and, even like, if you took every single old wrestler that he had and tried to yeah. use that same stick over there, it wasn't going to work without the genius of Vince McMahon on he, knowing yeah, how to take place a and new how to build. And you're going out again, Jay. And you're frozen again. Now you're moving. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. I know. You know what it is? It's because you're talking about Eric Bischoff. He's, yeah. he's, he's it, in it, your server right now. You know what, but, though, but to that same point, right, talking about how, how you had Ted Turner basically go and, like, raid his, his staff, as it were, right? He went and got all of yeah. these old wrestlers he's got. That's one mm-hmm. thing we were getting into a little bit last time. Most of these guys, I mean, the average age of his stars, were, they're in their mid to late 40s by the time they started WCW. And, again, this is a physical thing. Like, it's acting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it writing? Yeah. yeah. But it's still in its core. It's a bunch of stunt guys doing some crazy stunt shit for an hour and a half, yeah. two hours a night. Once you start getting your 40s, I mean, it's like, that's one of the things, like, I'm just going to take it kind of slightly out of context for a second. One of the things I love so much about the Dark Knight series is by the time you get to the Dark Knight Rises, you're talking about all the cartilage issues that he's got, like, all this stuff that legitimately happens to a person outside of this narrative world in terms of your body's decay, and beating the hell out of it like these guys do, and then not to mention the wear and tear steroids Aciation, all that shit can take on your body over those years. Mm-hmm. These guys have been slamming, and not just slamming smaller people, guys as big or bigger than them and being slammed by them. Mm-hmm. Every last one of these guys, fuck, man, I mean, they're, they're worse off, I think, most of them by the time they retire than your average NFL lineman. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, these are blown. Every, 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 every joint has every, a every, tissue. Uh, one, one guy, guy that, <laughs> that I'm surprised that actually made it this far at his age, is Ric Flair. Because everybody else that Woo! came up with him, yeah, mm-hmm. they 60s. Yeah, a lot of them a lot of them died, too. You got to think about that. Yeah. A lot of them dudes are dead They died now. in their 60s. And a lot of and the ones that are in their 60s now, like Brad Hart, he is constantly battling health issues left and right. I think he beat cancer again, skin cancer this time. Mick Foley, and too. Mick Foley's messed up. He's, he's messed up, but I think he's doing, you know, better off. No, he's uh, doing the uh, he's doing the DDP yoga thing now. So yeah, yoga. Yeah, so that has helped a lot of wrestlers out in, in terms of their longevity. Like he's lost a lot of weight, he has mobility yeah. back. So yeah, that's, that has helped. Like, and then of course the miracle that he's done with uh, Scott Hall and Jake the Snake Roberts, both of them yeah. are functioning people now. Both of them were basically at the edge of death. When, yeah. uh, that's a great documentary. That's a great documentary about Jake the Snake. That whole documentary where it shows him uh, in Scott Hall and treatment and, and the DDP yoga. With, with, that's a, it's sad to watch, but it ends really good. It's, it's, a re, it, yeah. I, I, it's resurrecting Jake, Jake, Jake the Snake. That's what it's called. Yeah, it was on, it was on, it was on Netflix for Netflix. a while. I don't know if it's great, great documentary. You guys should, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Great documentary. Yeah. I would definitely have to check that out now. Oh, it's great, man. To what we yeah. were talking about, though, with the, the WCW and WWE and the Mr. Yeah. Ted Turner. Ted got some marquee names, no question about it, but he got them at the end of their uh, of their rainbow, so to speak, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys, it wasn't going to last that much longer because they physically couldn't, right? So they, mm-hmm. they had a finite amount of time, whereas one of the things that McMahon's always done from the beginning that's, that's let him end up winning the game at the end of the day was he's always focused on talent development, 
both in terms of narrative and in terms of his wrestlers. And he's had a great mm -hmm. pipeline, great eyes, great people out there that are out doing the scouting, bringing people in. So, mm -hmm. yeah, does it suck that some upstart comes out of nowhere and takes your marquees because then you throw a bunch of money at him? Sure. But mm -hmm. like we talked about, Vince ain't a quitter. Number one. Hey, you, you, know the, you know the story, and uh, Stone Cold's told it many times. A lot of wrestlers have. It was the first conversation uh, after Ted Turner had acquired TN, uh, not TNT, had acquired uh, WCW. And he, he gets Vince on the phone. And he's like, well, Vince, guess what, partner? I'm in the wrestling business. And Vince was like, that's great. I'm in the entertainment business. So it's like, hmm. he, that, from the beginning, Vince was like, dude, that's great. I'm trying to take over the world. What are you trying to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of ironic that a dude that that owns work, a couple of networks, does not know how to entertain. Well, that's I, ironic. Because he because he was letting his money speak. He wasn't business minded. He really wasn't. He was letting yeah. his money speak for him. That was all. Every time he every time he wanted something done, he he would never come up with anything. What he would do is he would just dump millions of dollars to Eric Bischoff and say, "Look, here's money." Build this product up. He Here's, never had any idea. Here's what I got to disagree with you slightly, Larry. The problem isn't that he wasn't a businessman. The problem is that he's only a businessman. He was yeah. never an entertainer. He built his he built his entire fortune. If you look and you go back through everything, he built his entire fortune off of essentially a couple of network television stations that that he had that were part of the affiliates. And then from there, he built out. He bought more and more and more. In fact, when he bought, uh, I think it was MGM for a little while, he just raided the library to go start Turner Classic Films, a couple other network or cable television stations. And then he took stuff other people had made, and then he re-ran it. He repackaged it in a way that was profitable to him. So when he gets into the wrestling business, he doesn't get into it, and you, you had it straight on with, with the quote from the man. He didn't get into, I'm an entertainer. He didn't get into, I'm an entertainment. He says to himself, I'm a businessman, and now I'm in the wrestling business. Okay, good fucking luck. There's a million guys that are out there trying to be in the wrestling business. They've got backyard yeah. whatever. They're playing around with, with fucking handicap. Okay, great. You've got millions of dollars. So you can get the big guys in here. But if you're not focused on entertainment, then they end up on, you know, the trash heap of history. That happens yeah. across the board. What we were talking about uh, television. We're talking about movies, books, anything. If it's meant to entertain people, if you come at it purely from a, I'm a businessman, you're never going to make it. You have to have that blend of both. And that's what, that's what McMahon's got more than anyone else. He understood what it was and what it is that he's actually selling. And he never forgot that. Okay. Well, basically, now, Vince, McMahon has, Vince McMahon has turned into Ted Turner toward, I would say, the last couple of years now. Now with this XFL crap, we're trying to make movies and stuff. And your product now is starting to really suffer. Yeah. yeah. Behind All right. I was going to say, it's a lack of competition, too, because one of the things that's great about the Monday Night Wars and WCW was you couldn't sit back and rest on the fact that I own Boardwalk and Park Place. Now you actually have a challenger coming out who's taken something that you spent a long time building up, you know, the Hulk Hogan, that, that side of things, to where now you're yeah. going, okay, shit, I've got somebody who's they're trying to take away what I've built. And when you get into that situation – that hunger, that drive, that determination. What, what's that old saying? Um, necessity is the mother of all innovation. Yep. Okay. You're in a position where you have to make a move or you're going to die. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to come out and you're going to shine or you're, you're going to die. And Vince is the guy that once you put him in that situation, he's going to mm -hmm. come out with something. He's going to find the rats. He's going to find the, the wrestlers. He's going to find the talent. And they're going to get there. 
Unfortunately, he doesn't have he doesn't have that same drive anymore right now. And that's yeah. He doesn't have that he doesn't have that same drive anymore, unfortunately. And and why would you when you've been winning, when you've been winning this long? Well, and and there's not even competition anymore. Yeah, AEW. AEW. Wait a minute, I have to disagree. I have to disagree. AEW is kind of up their ass right now. Yeah, they really are. JD, take over. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just, I was just, I was just saying, fellas, let's, let's not stray too far from the actual subject matter here. I'm trying to stay here before this shit goes haywire. No, your internet is. Uh, it, it, it's going high. One it's thing I wanted going. to talk about was, are you fucking serious? You're good. You're good. You're good now. <laughs> this is fucking gay, bro. This is bad. <laughs> this is, listen, I told you, this is. This is literally that Teddy Riley versus Babyface. This is the lamest. <laughs> this is the lamest shit ever. Are you fucking serious? You never do this on any other other podcast besides do it tonight. What kind of bullshit? Yeah, is you that? better go find that America Online. Go ahead and type that shit in. What the fuck? Bro? Your five hundred hours of free AOL is is expired, JD. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? All right, can y'all see and hear me now? Let me go ahead and get this shit out. Can you see and hear me now? Yes, yes, yes. Go for it. Go ahead. Okay, fuck, fuck. All right, let me get this this shit straight before I go out again. Whatever. Okay. So I wanted to talk about the night that the tide changed. November 4th, 1999. Okay. Now, that particular night, there was an edition of Nitro and also an edition of Raw. The edition of Raw was taped in December. So they had a tape show and they're showing it in November. Now, this particular night, they learned out that Mick Foley, Mankind, was winning the world title for WWF. And being the uh, uh, aggressive asshole that he was, Eric Bischoff found out and decided to tell Tony Schiavone, his announcer, to give the results of that particular match away to kind of say, hey, you know what, don't watch that shit. Watch Nitro. This is live. This is us. This is here. In fact, Tony Schiavone's yeah, Tony exact quote was, fans, if you're even thinking of changing the town to our competition, do not. We understand that Mick Foley, who wrestled here at one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Ha! That's going to put some butts in the seats. Fact. <laughs> that's the exact quote. So Apparently, Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone has apologized profusely to Mick Foley since then. He was like, "Listen, I was only doing my job." Yeah, he, he didn't feel was, that, yeah. Tony didn't feel that way. He really didn't feel that way. Yeah, and and Mick never blamed Tony because he yep. knew that Tony was basically doing what Eric told him to do. Yep, yep. So as simple as that. But that announcement caused basically half of the audience of Nitro to switch from Nitro to Monday Night Raw to watch Mankind win that world title. And while that was happening on Nitro, was the infamous night that you pointed to, AJ. The finger poke of doom was the same fucking night. So they uh, Nitro was in. They had the big mat. They had the big build up that Hulk Hogan was back and Kevin Nash was here. He's the world champion. They're building up this big match at the end of the night between Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash for the world title. Now, at, like I said, they, they build it up, build it up. Hogan comes out there pretty much in like casual, casual clothes, except for like an yeah. Under Armour like shirt. And even back then, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? That's they, weird. They get, they get in the ring. Well, it, it, it was on the spot. It was on the spot because it's supposed to be Goldberg versus yeah. Kevin Nash. Yeah. It was on the spot it, for Hogan. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they circle around each other. They do a little thing. And they say, you know, Hogan goes to a punch, stops, pokes Kevin. 
Kevin falls down. One, two, three. Hulk Hogan is new world champion. And oh. all of the NWO, the NWO uh, and Wolfpack, and also NWO regular. It's back fun. together. They're all, they're all Hollywood. back together again. Oh. Yep. Yep. One of the uh, one of the most controversial situations in wrestling history to where it, it pissed off a lot of people. It really pissed off a lot of people. Not so much the, the finger poke, not so much the actual act. What pissed people off was the fact of it was it was it was just a reminder of how much Hogan how much power Hogan had and how much his political stance was during that time. And that's what really pissed a lot of the boys off. Cause they were just mm-hmm. like, you know what? It's not even, it's not even that the, cause it was funny. It was not, it was a, it was a comedic spot, but it was, it was just, that was Hogan's idea. <laughs> no, and that, that's what pissed people off. But yeah, like I said, on the other end, on Monday Night Raw, they had been building up a great match between Mankind and The Rock for the WWF Championship. And Rock had, you know, the corporation in his corner. Mankind had DX in his corner. They had mm-hmm. a really good match at the last at the last segment of the show. You know, what I'm saying? and then next thing you know, there's some there's a little bit of interference on both sides. Particularly, it starts with uh, Ken Shamrock comes in the ring with the chair, hits Mankind just as he's about to get the pin. Billy Gunn comes in. They say, you know, the corporation and DX are fighting, and just when you think you couldn't get any hotter, here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. Biggest and fucking pop ever. Yeah, I I have not heard any more pops for any other wrestler outside of the attitude era than I have for Stone Cold Steve Austin. There, there was a couple. There was a couple crazy ones after that, but that's definitely. I mean, if you think about it, there were two crazy pops that night when Stone Cold's glass hit and when Mick Foley made that pin. Those, One, those, two, yeah. three. I remember yeah. watching that. I had to be to school the next day, and I had I was it was and remember sometimes Raw would go over. So at yeah. this point, it was already like 11.30. They had went over their time. And I'm like, fuck, I got to get to sleep. I got to get to sleep. I got to get to sleep. But I want to see the win. You know, I want to see the, the finish of this match, finish of the match. And when Songo came out and when they did that one, two, three, I remember literally I had a bunk bed. I was yeah. just jumping in my bunk 11.30 at night. And I was like, this, it, was a, it was just, it was great. It was amazing. It was fantastic, man. Uh, amazing. But it also, it also reminds me of what Vince used to say about WCW and how they would put on world title matches with mm-hmm. no real buildup, with no real nothing. You put on money, money type matches like the Hogan versus Goldberg thing. That's a pay-per-view match. Yeah. That's pay-per-view worthy. You put it on a Nitro? What but, 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 but hold on, Vince is notorious for doing that as well, he de- especially now. He's, I mean, he needs it now, yeah, yeah, but now. he's notorious. Yeah, for the past but few years. Back, he's, back, then. back then, no, they didn't have to do that. But he's notorious for blowing away. Yeah, he was notorious for blowing away. Vince is notorious for blowing away big, big name matches on on Raws. But like you said, it, it's more current. But you know, yeah, yeah definitely back then but you see, didn't have to do it. But see, even then, it was Kevin Ash versus Goldberg for the World Heavyweight Title with the return match. Mm. You still could have put that on a pay per view. But then when it mm. turned, when it turned to Hogan versus Kevin Ash, okay, Hogan's big return. Yeah, why not put that on a pay per view as well, instead of doing a finger poker doom? Because Derek Bischoff was an idiot. <laughs> hands, yeah. hands down. Here's what yeah. I want to say, and yeah. man, I can only really speak for myself. I can't speak for every other fan out there. But the problem for me with the finger poker doom and that whole thing, why I keep bringing it up, was that was the moment uh, out of all wrestling, right, where I finally went, 
wow, these guys don't have any respect for me. When I say these guys, I mean the people in yeah, yeah. the narrative and story. You have so yeah, yeah. much respect for yeah. me as, as the mark, right? As the wrestling, as the little fucking 14-year-old kid watching this. You have so yeah. much respect for me and my ability to even understand or comprehend what's going on that you think I'm going to buy this finger poke? Yeah. 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 That's exactly what they wanted you to do. Buy it. And it doesn't matter what you're selling or what you're doing when it comes to storytelling, because that's what this is, right? I mean, we were the reason we're spending four or fucking hours talking about this because we love storytelling. We love these stories. We love these characters. It's a great world to play around in. It's a lot of fun. But if you've got that little respect for your audience, and then you reveal to your audience, hey, by the way, I think you're a bunch of idiots. Yeah. It's gonna tell you to go to hell, and they're gonna go to your competition, or they're gonna go somewhere yeah. else altogether. And since you actually brought that up, the uh, the reason this whole thing was so significant because of fact this was the beginning of the end. Yep. Raw won that night, and Nitro never won again, ever. To the no, end. What, to the, there to, was, to there the, wasn't one in 1999 that they didn't. I think I think I might have been. They might have been one or two. Yeah, that was it. I think they had. I think they had. They had one or two like the following weeks. That might have beat it, but other than that, no, nah, that was all the way till all the way till Vince bought WCW. They didn't win one. They won no. As far as the ratings, they were they were done. Yeah, yeah. And that now, year, nineteen two thousand one, that was the time I kept flipping back and forth. Like Vince bought them. What the hell? Let me flip back and forth. What's going on here? Yeah. What's going on here? We definitely we'll, we'll gotta get, get into that. that. We we'll gotta get into that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get into that. But there's actually a couple of people we haven't uh, touched on yet. One of which. The Rock and the Nation of Domination. We are the nation of domination. We have not touched. We have not touched on them yet. Now, The Rock initially came in. He was the you know, thir- first third generation superstar in WWE history. He came in initially as a good guy. He had the Jerry curl hair. Had the little Samoan gimmicks. Came in, rose pretty fast. He was like Intercontinental Champion with the first few months of him being there. And then he got injured. Then they brought him back and they made him a heel with this group, the Nation of Domination. A group of primarily large African American males who were, you know, disgruntled with their placement and treatment in WWE, and they became this powerful, dominant group. The Rock joins the uh, Rocky Maivia, that was his name at the time, joins the ranks and starts referring to himself as the Rock, which is actually a invention of Jim Ross, and it starts mm. referring to himself in third person, which is also a thing from Jim Ross, because he got that from primetime Deion Sanders. Uh, this is one interview where you know he kept John Sanders kept referring to himself as primetime. Primetime's gonna do this, primetime's gonna do that. And that, that's where they took it from. Prime time. Prime and, the, time. and the rock the rock perfected the hell out of that. He really did. Yes, he did. Started yeah. spitting the colorful catchphrases like the whole jabroni thing, which you get from Iron Sheik. You know, yep. know your role, got that from Ron Simmons, Farouk. And the whole later SmackDown, got that from Dr. Dre. Mixed all that shit together into one great package. Start wearing the fucking flashy Miami drug dealer fucking uh, 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 shirts and shit. <laughs> Rolex yeah. watches, glasses, and became pretty much the leader of the fucking nation of domination. Now the nation itself was built up of all great talents: Mark Henry, D'Lo Brown, Kamal Mustafa, and you know Farouk Ron Simmons, who was the first black, uh, first recognized black world champion in wrestling history. Now, mm-hmm. as as the group got bigger and bigger, they started drifting more and more apart, particularly The Rock. The Rock started taking the same page because of how dope he is. But the other guys started getting their own little shine, too. 
D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry kind of stayed together for a little bit, but Mark Henry started developing his own little thing too, sexual chocolate, Mark Henry. And they say, oh, you know, big, the big lover man with the dope ass music, the dope Barry White music too, which I always love. I always love his sexual chocolate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then of course, to you. Still, yeah. I still couldn't do it. I always, I always thought of Randy Watson. Uh, basically, that's where he got it from. That's what chocolate. He told, he told, he told, yeah, sexual, that's where he got it from. It didn't matter to me if you went and put on Barry White. It was still Randy Watson to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually how he pitched it to Vince. He said, you ever seen Coming to America? Sexual chocolate. And then Vince went, aha, that's great. Plus, Vince had no fucking clue what he was talking about. But Vince yeah. was with it. You know what I'm saying? And, Vince, didn't, yeah, Vince um, didn't even know what Scarface, Scarface was when Scott Hall pitched the Razor Ramon gimmick to him years earlier. How do you know, Jim, you know yeah. Scarface? <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim Cornette has gone on record as saying, and I actually listened to this right before I came here tonight. He's never heard Vince McMahon listen to the radio watch the TV show, or even go to the movies. And the whole time they were together. Like, they said, like, he said, people constantly asking him, what does Vince like in terms of music? What does Vince like in terms of movies? And Jim Corner is like, I don't fucking know. Every time we were talking, like, even when we were riding in the car, radio was off, no books out. We're talking about the show. Never did hey. when they would have When they would have meetings at the house. No radio, no TV. We're at a table talking about the show, writing down some shit to make the show better. That's all Vince thought about. So yeah, he yeah. Whenever people come to him with different ideas like that, he he would not know what the fuck they were talking about. You know what I'm saying? So, and let's not forget, going back to the whole nation thing. Let's not forget, D'Lo became a double champion. He won the European and Intercontinental title, and most importantly, Farouk joined one of the greatest tag teams in in, in history. The acolytes. The APA. APA, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So you're right. They all, they all, they all went on to do good things. The Rock obviously soared past all of them, but they all went but, uh, to individually go do great things. One more that we're not talking about: Colin Mustafa became oh, Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. That's right. From a, we went from like this like fighter, like ultimate fighter type gimmick to basically a pimp. And, and that was his idea. He pitched that to that's, Vince. He was like. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, it's actually his wife's idea. Oh, that's right. Then, then he told him. Then he pitched it to Vince, yeah. And, and she kind of came up with his outfits and shit, like the whole flashy pimp thing with the fucking the yeah. vest and the hat and all the shit. And then he started yeah, coming like, out with the these girls. Yeah. And then uh, the chicks that they would get for the whole train or whatever that would come out with them with strippers from the from the whatever area they whatever local whatever <laughs> yeah. oh, you're right that's right they would go to, they would go to the strip club wow. be like hey you want to be on tv and make 200 bucks sure so the girls would come out in their little outfits and shit and actually some future wrestlers were part of the whole train two in particular victoria and lita victoria and lita, lita, that's the right they were in the whole train oh, I miss lita. And then, <laughs> lita was looking fine too lita was on the whole train yeah and then lita. uh Godfather was getting as big a pop as just about anybody in the company at the time. Like oh, he, he would was, come out. You know, yeah. he, he would always had the thing where he would come out and be him by himself. They were like, yeah, but then they're like, what? Oh, boo. It's like, boo, boo. And you're like, okay, okay. And then he was like, yeah. ah, point back, here come the holes. And they say, you know, <laughs> big, pop, big pop again. And, and oddly so enough, out, they, tried, they tried to start him off as a heel, and it just wasn't working. They popped from too no. much. Because remember, his whole shtick was, now, you could fight me, or you could take one of these hoes. No, you said you could take one of these hoes, you could fight me, 
knowing I'm going to whip your ass. <laughs> or you my, can take one of these hoes. But it, it, my favorite, yeah. He was too popular. He was too popular, so they turned him face quick. They turned him face quick. My favorite one of those was Stephen Regal, uh, William Regal. That's uh, right. Because he, uh, he came out there like, hey, same thing. Like, you can either fight me or you can take the hoes. <laughs> and then he's like, you know what? No one ever whip uh, your ass. No, like, Stephen Regal was like, normally I would love to kick your ass. But last time I checked, my name is uh, Stephen Regal, not Elton John. I'll go with the broad. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, that was fun. But yeah, each and every one of them went on to their who have fantastic careers. There's not many groups that can say that. You know what I'm saying? Like that everybody went on and did their own thing. Evolution. Point, oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna get to that. But case in point, in terms of the attitude era, next group that we didn't really get into yet, DS. Do 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 listen, yes. there's not a person in our age range during that time that was a kid that did not chop block their crotch, did not yeah. tell somebody to suck it. I was in high school going around, me and my friends, we, every five minutes. <laughs> Anybody, any, any person who said anything, male or female, I think we even did it to a couple teachers. If you opened your mouth, if you opened your mouth, we would tell you to suck it. It was great. <laughs> yeah. But DX was initially started with Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H, the ninth wonder of the world, China, which we have not really talked about on this whole podcast, and Rick Rude, of all people. Now, initially, it was just a little faction they had. They would have, like, lewd, you know, lewd remarks and sexual innuendo. The initial uh, conversation was with Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation. And, of course, actually during one of those segments where they were actually getting to it with Bret Hart, they had no name for the group. It was just a group. And then, It was uh, called the Triple Threat. Yeah. And then, like, uh... Bret uh, cut that promo, yeah. Cut, yeah, yeah, then Sean's like, you calling us degenerates? Degenerates, right? Like, you know what? Degeneration X. That's our name from now on. Degeneration X. And it was it was actually the same one where Sean got up and started showing his ass on the camera and shit. You know. <laughs> you make the rules and we break them. We'll break them. Yeah, that shit. <laughs> so for the longest time, it was pretty much just trifecta of DX. And like, they actually had the whole, you know, fake over office thing where DX invades the over office and shit. Like, the following message is brought here by, you know, DX, because they had complaints. Horrible complaints. Yeah. From, from, uh, from USA Network about yeah. the horrible sexual yeah. things they would do. And they actually read the actual complaint that they that they got from USA Network on this little thing where they were talking about that. You can't say ass, damn, all this other shit. And they started, you know, like, and of course, it was really like, you You're frozen. Ass. You're frozen, sir. Well, I'm gonna go off on that moment he was talking about. I thought that moment was the coolest thing that I've seen in WWF before Austin's big, you know, middle fingers and all the other stuff. I thought that was one of the coolest things ever. It's like these two ain't taking none of that stuff seriously. We're gonna say what we want, we're gonna do what we want. But and that yeah. also was the difference between WCW and WWF. Yeah. They're on USA Network. USA Network, you can get away with a lot of stuff. On that network, yeah, it's just like I was saying. TNT, still family, all the other yep. stuff. Can't well, say certain things. It's Ted Turner. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to risk what he's got going. I mean, when you have the same guy owning your wrestling as owns the channel, yeah, you're gonna follow the rules. But see, that also yeah. that also brings back that point on why Stone Cold would not worked out then, because Stone no. Cold was cussing. He was giving the middle yep. fingers. 
You can't do that on yeah. Ted Turner's network. Yeah, you can't no, have no, Andy, no. You, can't, you can't you can't have Tedious and Andy Griffith at the same place. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's yeah, not like, work. That's not like I said like I said the last episode, like they were still running reruns of Hanna Barbera's wacky racist. <laughs> How are you gonna have stuff drinking beer and a bunch of ho a pimp coming out with hoes and then you got yeah. wacky racist? And I'm, I'm gonna tell you one more, and I'm gonna tell you one time. Do not fuck with the wacky racist. Oh, I love wacky racist. <laughs> They're supposed to be doing a movie. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. They, they were talking about doing a movie of like oh that shit all the time. But let, we digress. Let's get to that. <laughs> now, speaking of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the night after Shawn Michaels dropped the belt to Stone Cold Steve Austin, it became a rift. Yes, Shawn Michaels left. He had back injury. He wasn't coming back. So Triple decided to pick up the ball, as he calls it, and run with it. So he decides to form a new nucleus for DX. The first recruit, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, who had previously been in WCW as six, part of the NWO. He got uh, kicked out or fired or whatever for some reason. He got fired by FedEx, by Eric Bischoff, and he was disgruntled. Very similar to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I believe and it was a neck back. injury that, that he had, and yeah. it was going to take him longer to come back. So he just so they, went on and fired him. Yeah, they terminated Eric his contract, you know. sent him his walking papers, yeah. By mm-hmm. FedEx, which is the famous Eric Bischoff way. And, of course, he was disgruntled about it. So he came on that next night. He was the first recruit, talked about his grievances. And then, of course, he mentioned WCW in his little uh, tirade. And he's like, you know what? Uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall will be right here with us if they were not being held hostage by World Championship Wrestling. And that's a fact, Gary Bischoff. So you take that in your pipe and smoke it. So yeah, which yeah, which they, ended up becoming his catchphrase. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, in more ways than one. Ah. So, uh, yeah. But <laughs> also, yeah. But also, yeah. Later that same night, the New Age Outlaws, who were kind of making a name for themselves, you know, in their own little way, had been kind of peripherally friends with DX even during the Shawn Michaels incarnation. They were friends of the clique. Yeah. So they they were like, you know what? Like, oh, we're trying to get in with this truth, trying to do our own thing. That last that at the end of the night, they had like this big cage match. They decided to turn heel. Well, they were already heels, but they decided to join DX or whatever. And they say, you know, we got a new DX with Triple H, X Pac, China, and the Outlaws. We got a new DX. And it arguably to me, I think the, the best incarnation. Yeah. It was the best incarnation of DX. I agree. Got I agree. Both. They got, they got even more popular than it was with the Shawn Michaels incarnation. It was. And you and want to talk about pops. Every time that music hit, that are you ready, that crowd would lose their mind, dude. And then, and then of course, the Triple H intro, you know, are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? And then, of course, we do the, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Yeah, no, no, no. We haven't gotten to that yet. Wait, wait, <laughs> motherfucker, wait. <laughs> Wait. God damn. It. All right. Do the tribulation for the thousands of attendants, the millions watching at home. Let's get ready to suck it. Now that's one. Now we can start doing the fucking outlaw shit. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Generation X probably brings to you it's whatever how many reigns they had at the time. WWF. The road dog, Jesse James, the badass Billy Gunn, there he is, the new age 
outlaws. And then this last one. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, 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 let me do Billy Guns one line. <laughs> You're right. He that was his only job. Yeah. And sometimes he would fuck that up. He would. So, he would. <laughs> Never understood all that yeah. talent that Billy Gunn has. Can't talk on the mic. Can't, pro, can't cut a promo. But if you're, yeah, but if you're so not there with man, we got two words for you. Suck it. And even yeah. that, I'm like, I'm not even buying that Billy Gun. I'm not buying now, that from you at all. One one aspect of this shit that nobody really knows in terms of like uh, the fans or whatever, the whole thing with the click shit, this shit. Mm. Yeah. The one person that came up with it, Sean Woman, Xbox. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. Shaw, and Sean Woman also came up. With the crash chop. He's a he's a freak. He's a freak. We know Sean Walton's a freak. <laughs> so the so the most popular the two most popular aspects of the click, the you know, the, the Wolfpack sign and the suck it all came from Sean Walton. X Pac. Huh. So it's really the the Bullet Club and AJ and all of them actually they owe it to to, to Sean Walton because that's what they do. <laughs> that's to right. X-Pac, yep. They all owe it to him. And of course, that group grew on and they did their own thing. Like Triple H, of course, was the one that benefited the most. And actually, two the two ones that benefited the most from the whole new DX, Triple H and China. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because yeah, Triple H would eventually go on to become you know, a solo act and become the WWF champion. And of course, China would start breaking barriers left and right, becoming the mm-hmm. first woman ever to enter the War Rumble in 1999. Yeah. And also, and also, I think same year or like next year after she, that became the first woman, the first woman, title. first woman, and only woman to date to ever win the Intercontinental Title. Hey, Billy, Billy oh, Gunn and Road Dog tried. Billy Gunn had the Mister Ass gimmick. Road Dog yeah, won. He's an, he won the Intercontinental Title, and he won the Hardcore Title a bunch of times. But and Chuck, well, I mean, even X Pac, they all. Well, X Pac had the whole run with Kane. That was a good run. Remember that? Yeah, tag team, yeah. tag team champs with Kane. But they yeah. they didn't get the same success. Triple H, yeah, he took off from there. He took off. I actually, I actually really like Ro, a hardcore road dog. That was actually my yeah, favorite. That was one. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite thing of him. I like Mr. S. I like I like Mr. Xbox was alone. Xbox was alone. He couldn't hold his own. He really couldn't yeah. hold his own at all. They always put him with some. They always put him with somebody. And yeah. and they actually have a term. They actually have a term in wrestling that you can look up. It's a it's it's a term in the business, and it's. When you go to a company, try not to get X-Pac heat. That's literally a term. Yeah. And it's because he just could not break out of the mid-card <laughs> yeah. situation. Mid-card, it was in. Yeah. So they say, so when you're, when you're mid-card for life, they say you've got, you've got X-Pac heat. It's a term. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. All right. So another member we're going to talk about of the WWE family, Mick Foley. Oh, we, we mentioned have a nice before. day. We mentioned him a little bit, but the, like, we we haven't really gone into really the three faces of Foley. No, now, I was following that dude since he was doing death matches. Exactly. And I'm like, I like so this dude now is going to be working for WWF as Mankind after yeah. his run with Cactus Jack, and I'm like, yeah, the shoot fireworks. The matches, the matches, the matches. Uh, I wasn't really watching it during that time. I was too young, but the matches I saw them. You know, over the years, as I got older, the the fucking matches he had with Vader in WCW when he was Cactus Jack, those two motherfuckers were trying to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> they were so stiff. They worked so stiff with each other. There's a match yeah. where they get to a spot on the ramp, and Mick Foley's on the back of Vader, 
and he doesn't work it. He just plops right down on his back and just lands on Mick Foley. And you could tell he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't care. Like they were skipping the hell out of each other, dude. Yeah. Watch some of those matches. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They, but the three, the ones, five, uh, three, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, the ones all the way back, all the way back in WCW, he was doing WCW Saturday night. They actually tore it down for that. It was an hour show, but they tore the house down with in that one match that ended up being a count out. Vader and McFoley? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. They it had some classic match. They had some classic match. Too. And that ended up, I don't think he ever got a world title shot at the time. But they would put them on, uh, I believe it was Halloween Havoc mm. in a lights out match or something like that. And it it was good. The ending sucked, but it was good. Yeah. But like, uh, so Mick, I already knew yeah. that Mick Foley can actually work. Mick yeah, Foley yeah. was amazing. I mean, when he came in as mankind mm-hmm. and attacked the Undertaker, I was like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. This dude, okay. Okay, let's see where yeah. this goes. And I know that the Undertaker stepped up his game at that point. Yeah. He stepped up his game because he game. had the brawl now. Yeah. He had the brawl now, yeah. and his brawling with Mick Foley was just crazy. Yeah. So with Mick Foley, like the different incarnations, the first one we talked about is a uh, Cactus Jack, which is was known, is basically well known one before he came to WWE. He did it in WCW, he did it in ECW, did it in Japan, all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, having all these crazy hardcore matches, especially the ones in ECW that became like super fucking violent. They didn't fucking shoot. Look at hit the deck. Yeah. Hit the deck. Right. It, it, it still is. It still tickled that mile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, so yeah. He had Cactus Jack, and then when he came to WWE, which was a Jim Ross hire, by the way, because Jim yeah. Ross had been pushing for years and years. Why don't we get Mick Foley? Why don't we get Mick Foley? And Vince finally folded. Like, you know what? Fuck it. We won't get Mick Foley. Because Vince didn't see the star yeah. appeal. He didn't see the star yeah. appeal in him. Yeah. 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 No. Well, he had yeah. a couple of times as Jack Foley yeah. and Mike Foley and some other shit back like, back in the so, day. Well, well, Vince said specifically, I'm going to bring him in and I'm going to cover his face. And he, <laughs> he, he actually brought he actually brought in Mick Foley to teach uh, Jim Ross a lesson. Because like, cause Jim Ross kept bugging him and bugging him about Mick Foley. He's like, you know what? I'm going to bring him in and I want I want you to see when the talent lets you down. He had no faith in Mick Foley. No. He's like, you know what? He's not going to be a star. I want to bring him in just so he can fail and I want to see your face when, you, when it happens. But of course, he was absolutely wrong with it. So they brought in uh, him as mankind with this, you know, face mask and all this. They were going to call him. They were going to call him the mutilator. Wasn't it supposed yeah. to be mankind the mutilator? The mutilator. <laughs> that was, yeah. his, that was yeah. one of his. That was one of his first gimmick names. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Damn. These places do some fucking. Yeah, they ain't fucking around. Right. I feel like I feel like you should go inside. It, that sounds dangerous. I don't want to put out the cigar though. <laughs> Oh, let, 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 let the man finish his cigar, man. It's all right. We'll, we'll, JD, we'll, continue, continue. All right, so yeah, uh, oh, so they brought him in as mankind. Sure do it again. Thank you. All right, so yeah, they brought him in as mankind, and he, of course he had this great. He came in with this energy, and he came in with this, you know, psychotic gimmick that you know was a, a formidable force for the Undertaker. He brought in specifically for the Undertaker, and initially, mankind had like a probably the best record of any other villain against the Undertaker because nobody really had took it to the Undertaker like Mankind McFoley had. 
and they went to all these different type of matches, buried alive matches, boiler room brawls, and you know, all these different things. And then of course, Mick Foley decided he wanted to change it up a little bit. He had, I think he mentioned to Jim Ross and one of the other people in the interview that he wanted to be a heartthrob like Shawn Michaels. And they actually showed the old videos that he had in his closet of him, you know, being a young guy with sunglasses doing Dude love, yeah. a teenager. Yeah, as a teenager, and he called himself Dude Love and him Dude falling love. off of his him falling off of the roof of his uh uh house onto like mass and shit, showing like how crazy he was and shit. Was that the infamous story when, when Vince went up to him and was like, Hey pal, you wanna be Dude Love? Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they decided to debut Mick Foley as Dude Love, this psychedelic heartthrob type character where he would come out and say, like, ooh, have mercy and have the, do the Charleston and all that goofy shit or whatever. <laughs> and and like I said, he did all these three different and then finally they decided to bring Cactus Jack to the WWE. And there's actually a hardcore match on Raw with Triple H and they brought him in. It's actually one of his best matches. And yeah, and Triple H, H sold that Triple H on a side note, Triple H sold the hell out of that, by the way. When yes, it, when, it, when when it was announced that Cactus Jack, his sell on that was like because no, 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 because no, at no, this no, point, no, yeah. yep, at this point, Cactus Jack hit that name like put fear in people's heart. Everybody knew what type of matches he had as Cactus Jack. So triple, exactly. kudos, kudos to Triple H for selling that the way he did. Yeah, and then and then uh, the one of the, my favorite three faces of Foley moment is in the '99 Rumble, I believe, when he came oh, in. Oh yeah, three. <laughs> that was great. That was great. He came in as Mankind, got eliminated. Came in as Dude Love, got eliminated. And then came in as Cactus Jack, got eliminated. That was a, actually, that was a, good, that was a good bit. Actually, his son bit. commented on that when he was real young. He's like, like, you came in as all, like, you came in as all three, and you still do Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible, but it's so, so that's, true. That's messed up. But yeah, like, Still couldn't win. But like we mentioned before, Mick Foley, I even Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mick Foley was the catalyst that really turned the Monday Night Wars into WWE's favorite. Mick Foley winning the world title was the thing that kicked uh, WD over pretty much to the stratosphere, man. Yeah, which yep. is like a lot of people don't a lot of people don't give him credit for. You know what I'm saying? And it's a very significant moment. Like it saved the company pretty much. You know what I'm saying? So uh, all kudos to Mick Foley. Of course, he would go on to become a WWE Hall of Famer. He's been he would come back. He comes back every once in a blue moon. You know. Do a little, you know, little segment or whatever, and he goes or whatever. And but yeah, he's he's the legend. He's one of the legends. I love, I love, uh, I love his line that he used to say during a lot of promos, especially during the vignettes as mankind when he would do the. Now it's time to ease the pain, which will be better for me, but not so enjoyable for all of you. (laughs) I used to love when he would cut promos as mankind. The shit he would say was just hilarious. I loved it. So great. The last thing I'm saying on Mick Foley is uh, probably my favorite match that he's ever had. And, of course, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Please don't say WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> His <laughs> retirement match. But I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you mother. You mother. <laughs> <That's> terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> not, like I, not like I was going to say. <laughs> King of the Ring, 1998. Hell and Cell match, Undertaker versus Mankind. Probably, oh. if not one oh one God. of the most famous wrestling matches of all time. And it wasn't even, even intended to be. No, it, it wasn't. wasn't even intended to be. It was a, it was kind of a like almost kind of a throwaway because the fact that 
uh, Mick Foley and Undertaker was like, why are we doing Mankind Undertaker again? We've done yeah. that to death. And they was like, well, we need something here. So it's like, we need, we need something to make this spectacular. And then, of course, as they were going over the match ideas, I think I believe it was actually Terry Fork that suggested, hey, Cactus, how about you start it on the roof? And like, okay. That definitely like, sounds like Terry Funk. <laughs> and then it's like, like what? Well, uh, how am I gonna get down? Well, you fall down, you know, give give you a bump or whatnot. <laughs> so you fall down, yeah. And you don't say Foley shit like that to Mick Foley. You don't say shit like that to Mick Foley. But Mick Foley has actually said, <laughs> Mick Foley actually said, had he went up there and actually looked uh, before they did the match, he never would have did it. Because like, hmm. like you saw, he actually saw how tired was. Like, no. I would not do this shit. But when he when he finally was in the match and he was up there, point of no return. So yeah. he actually told yeah, he, he they went up there and you see in the match, there's one point where they never done nothing like that on the hell and stuff before. So it wasn't stable enough to hold them. They yeah. step and you see them almost fall through the fucking ring. Like the the whatever ties that they had to hold up hold, holding the gate together yeah. was going away because yeah. of the because of the weight. And then finally, the big moment. Undertaker, uh, Undertaker said, "He tells Undertaker, throw me." Undertaker gets behind him. <laughs> Thirty-five. Boom. And let me tell you, this, yeah. this, this is a, this is a, 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 a you know, a, a, a test to, to how great of a commentator, Jim color Ross. commentator Jim Ross and and Jerry Lawler were. They didn't know any of those spots were going to happen, and. Oh. Jim Ross says it to this day in shoot interviews. His reaction as a color commentator, that was real. When he said, when he said, it killed him, it killed him. As God, when, is, my as God is my witness, he's broken in half. He's broken in half. And Jerry Lawler was just like, oh my God, he's dead. <laughs> like they didn't, <laughs> you know, Jerry Lawler was great, dude. Jerry Lawler was yeah. hilarious. But yeah. that, was, that, that, that just shows how good mm -hmm. color commentators they were. They just and, they, they, like, and, and, they, and they were actually on the thing apologizing. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We yep. had this great advertised match for you. As they're stretching out Mick Foley, like, oh, we're sorry that it ended this way. And then, of course, in the middle of the aisle, Foley gets up. And, and they're like, they look, and same thing, Jim Ross. How in know. the hell yeah. is he still standing? <laughs> no way. And that was all genuine. That was yeah. all genuine no, commentating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Jim, yeah Jerry Lowe, no way. No way. No way. And you see Mick Foley there with the hobbled shoulder. He's like, he gets out of and apparently. And Terry Funk was really trying to stop him. Terry Funk was really trying to stop him. He's like, he was. It's too late now, brother. It's too late yeah, now. You could see, you could see Terry Funk like get on the. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he dislocated his shoulder. He climbs back up on the ring. I don't with know a how. Dislocated his shoulder. Yeah. Goes Did up you there. You notice the Undertaker's face when he was trying to climb back up. He was looking like. They what get a the shot fuck? of his face. Yeah, he's like shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then on top of that, and then on top of that, Undertaker was in that match with a broken foot. Yes, so he was. He came, in, he came in into that match with a broken foot. So the both of them were hobbled. They went back up yeah. to the top, and then the one spot that neither one of them planned for, he does a toe slam on the top of the roof. The roof gives way, and Foley falls straight to the goddamn ring. And they said it's like now, basically, it's basically like hitting concrete. He said now, that see, bump. He said that bump was worse than the first one. Yeah, yeah. because the chair, because there's a chair. He was supposed to. He, there was, the he was chair trying didn't to help. Slam, yeah, he was trying to choke slam. Land on, on his the face. Chair, the yeah, the chair came down with him and hit him in the face. That's what knocked yeah. his tooth out. That's what the when I his think, tooth. 
the two yeah. that the two, when he's trying to push his his tongue that was crazy too by the way but and that's what asked, knocked the speech out yeah and he, and he aspirated and went into his nose yep and it was because of the chair Yep. Yeah, exactly. But I think they totally forgot while they was up there, they stepped right through and basically broke the damn case. What makes you think that chokeslam through is not going to break through at that point? Oh, yeah, exactly. But then Undertaker, it's like, fuck it. He's still moving. We're still going. So Undertaker <laughs> comes down there. And it is another testament to Undertaker. He comes down there, falls down about a good, you know, 10 feet and fucking hits yeah. on a broken foot. Yeah. And that's yeah. why when I saw him hobble, I was like, oh, shit, he must have just... Yeah, he fucked the shit up, yeah. Right and then they, they continued the goddamn match. And then, of course, the PS, the resistance on the end. But the Mick Foley goes under the ring, pulls out a bag, and it's full of what? Thumbtacks. 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 Thousands of... Yeah. The first, the American debut of thumbtacks in the ring. And then, yeah. of course, they, because they start selling this shit, Undertaker starts hitting them. Uh, well, Madcap starts hitting him towards the uh, tax, hitting him towards the tax, Undertaker stops him, but then there's something happens, and fucking Mick Foley gets him on the back, and Undertaker yeah. starts slowly going towards well, the tax. Well, he tried to set him up. He tried to set yeah. him up for the tombstone, yeah. Yeah, and he got exactly. out of the game, the mandible claw, picked him up well, on he, his back. I love Jerry. I love Jerry. Uh, Don't do it. No. 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 Ah! You notice uh, the ref, Tim White. Tim White was yeah. sitting there like, Okay, right there, right there, drop, right there. And the whole time, and the whole time, and the whole time leading up to that, you, it was Tim White, right? Was the ref? You said yeah. Tim White. Yep. Tim, Tim White. If if it, the whole time leading up to that, Tim Ross, uh, Tim Tim Ross, <laughs> Tim <laughs> White is telling them, he's like, you guys, we we got to take it home. You have to take it home. Like <laughs> Mick is really injured, and Mick just kept wanting to go. They kept still doing the spots. And, and here's the greatest thing. I mean, we brought this up a, a, a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. When Jim Ross is doing the commentating, he brings up the fact when they get that great shot, and as you know, it's Mick Foley trying to put his tongue through the hole in his lip. Jim yeah. Ross sells it as, look he's at smiling. him, and he's smiling. He's smiling. Yeah. And Mick, Mick Foley says in interviews, he was, like, he was like, Jim Ross said I was smiling. He's like, but to be real honest with you, I was literally trying to stick my tongue through the hole in my lip. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, then they, but they do the spot with the thumbtacks, Undertaker hits the uh, pile driver, and that's the end of the match. And then they have one, like I said, at, at the end of that shit, Mankind, Mick Foley gets a standing ovation from that crowd. They bring him back to the ring. They bring, I mean, they bring him backstage, and the Vince man goes home and says, I appreciate everything that you've ever done for me and this time. Don't ever do that again, yeah. Don't you ever do anything like that again, ever. And of course, that was crazy. Of course, I still to this day don't understand how Meltzer did not give that a five star rating. It was such a good match. Because Meltzer, because Meltzer, because it was a hardcore match, he felt yeah it had no validity well, to it. He, it was just a bunch of stunts, which is he that's gave not it, true. He gave it one, you know, four point seven five out of five. Yeah, that's yeah, cool, yeah. five star yeah, match. I'm like that. That's a five star. Yeah. Easy. and even and then even yeah, an even greater testament to Mick Foley. He came back out the next match. Oh, that's right. For the first blood between Stone Cold and Kane. He came back out for the interference. He did a run out, yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, he was all he was all fucked up. Too. Oh he fucked, so up. fucked up. He really was. Oh, yeah. oh, man. He said he says in interviews he doesn't remember much of that night after after those bumps. Yeah. He says he doesn't even remember doing that run out with, with during the Kane and uh, Stone Cold. He says he doesn't really even remember. He said he hey, blacked yeah. out. 
<laughs> apparently, he, apparently, he met Stephanie McMahon that night too, and he don't remember that either. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he didn't. He don't remember that either. Yeah. So, but uh, since we talked about Jr. and the King, especially in this particular match, let's talk about Jr. and the King. Best uh, best commentary team ever. I, yeah, I would say yeah. I would say yeah. them and then Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. But yeah. and everybody says Gorilla Monsoon. Everybody says Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I agree, they were good. But it was just something about the dynamic J- and the camaraderie JR, between yeah, Jr. JR and, King. and King. It was just better. It was better in my opinion. It really was. I love I love how Jr. would always like kind of get in King shit because King would always be like you know be the heel. Like, used to troll him. Like, 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 <laughs> like during the Austin shit when Austin kidnapped McMahon. It's like, he's going to JR, do something. What you want me to do, King? You <laughs> <laughs> would do shit like that. Uh, used like, to take jabs. used to take oh, jabs no, at yeah. JR for and being a stone cold mark, too. No, and yeah. then Lala be like, is Mr. McMahon all right? Is Mr. McMahon all right? Is Mr. McMahon all right? You're looking for me. No, Jr. used to fuck with him so much. I used, he used to, to love you, you corporate butt kisser. <laughs> or, 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 or doing the uh, rock, um, mankind. This is your life segment. They're doing that shit, and then uh, they do the poontang pie thing, and and Jared Lawler's losing. Jared, what kind of pie is this? And Jared's like, I don't know, but I know she probably gave it to him piping hot. <laughs> they are now. Jr. put us. Damn, I was slick with his shit, bro. Hey, listen, they, they bounced off each other so well. They really yes, did. Yeah, they bounced well, off each other so good. Well, yeah. they've both been in the business at the time, what, almost 30 years? Yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. they knew how to get to, you know, make everything come together. That and Vince yelling in their ear. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's talk about know. the obvious. Let's talk about the obvious thing as far as JR. JR. He put over a lot of wrestlers with, with his commentary. But yeah. we all know the way he would put over Stone Cold, nobody else could have done that. The way he no. used to commentate specifically, he was the mouthpiece for Stone Cold when Stone Cold wasn't talking. There was nobody there was nobody that put over Stone Cold greatly the way Jim Ross did. He would put it was a million bucks when he would put over Stone Cold, man. He would have like, put over Bret Hart. Uh, yep, Vince yep. used to put over uh, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Like, JR, JR. JR put over Stone Cold. He put over Stone Cold so good. Like a million dollars, dude. A million. Yeah. Nobody else could have done that yeah. that good. Was, was, was Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! No. Just keep doing that shit, man. And when like, Stone Cold would hit that shit. stunner, when Stone Cold would yeah. hit a stunner, nobody sold yeah. the stunner like JR. Stunner! Stunner! He got the stunner! Yeah. <laughs> it was great. JR, great. Man. Yeah. I like yeah, people go. People go up to him. It's like you know what? I would love for you to call my match. Yeah, I want you to call my match because yeah. Jr. Jr. made it a contest, goddamn. Yeah, he did. Oh yeah, he did. Jr. And JR, JR, actually, JR used to take Jr. used to take some ass whoopings too. Remember when Triple H beat the hell out of him? <laughs> Triple H oh, beat the hell out of him man. with Stone Cold turned nope. heel. Remember that segment yeah, where he beat the hell? Yeah. He beat, yeah. yeah, he beat, he beat Jr. Yeah, he beat Jr. in his hometown. He beat that out of in Oklahoma. That was great. Oh my God, and, that was and, a funny and, thing. And, and Oklahoma, and in the uh, <laughs> the whole infamous Kane setting them on fire shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane set Jr. on fire. So all that, yeah, Jr. And then of course the King was the ultimate pervert. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> puppies, 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 puppies. puppies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there's a great, there's a great uh. 
photo, and it's an actual shot that they took during that segment. But it's the one where Sable takes her titties out and she's got the handprint. Oh, yeah, 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 and there's yeah, a shot yeah. of Jerry Lawler going yeah, yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And whoever took that photo at that Perfect. point was a genius because it, yes. you, it's, there's like memes about it now. It is the yeah. great, one of the greatest photos I think I've ever seen. And they got yeah, a shot yeah, of it yeah. too. The king's reaction to them titties out. And 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 I, I listen as a as a little kid, I did the same thing when Sable took them titties out at that pay per view. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, so. I was already there once Jacqueline accidentally pulled her shit out, and I just saw. Oh my god! I was already oh, there. Jacqueline, Jacqueline was oh. boy, Jacqueline was a chocolate milk dud of loveliness. <laughs> hey, hey, yes. uh, oh my Tyler, lord! Tyler, Tyler, what's the shit we uh, talk about from Bruce Prichard's podcast? Chocolate titties. She really had some Hershey nips. She had some Hershey nips. Bruce Pritchard's podcast, they have a recurring joke where they talk about Vince trying to convince Jacqueline to go topless for their show. And like, it's like, like Vince, why you do it? Love chocolate titties. Love chocolate titties. And you know, I mean. And out of nowhere, he would just scream, chocolate titties. Just is random times. And, and it's a known fact. It's a known fact, which is why a lot of them divas had breast implants back then, and even probably stolen out. Vince McMahon is the biggest mark for titties. Yes, it is, it is well documented that this man loves breasts. Jr. says it. Jim Cornette says it. Vince and Russo. Love, and I love that he loves Vince loves them. And I love that he loves titties. I love titties too. Well, most white men, most white men back in that day, they just saw titties. titties and they just lost their mind. Ass titties. Ass titties. Exactly. So it just what it was. Exactly. So it just what it. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're getting to the pretty much to the nitty gritty of pretty much the end of what's going on with the podcast. So let's talk about the end of WCW now. Uh, the very end of WCW, pretty much in uh, 2000, Ted Turner was no longer running. You know, uh, uh, Turner because of the fact he had did the, uh, the whole deal with uh, AOL Time Warner and pretty much sold yeah. out to them. Uh, that year, WCW lost uh, $62 million include, uh, due to the guaranteed contracts from the older wrestlers, diminishing yeah. ad revenues, dropping house attendance, declining attendance at tapings like Thunder and Nitro, and finally, and all the uh, different expensive stuff they were doing, like, you know, uh, David Arquette and, you know, Vince Russo winning the title and shit like that. It got to the point where it just, it just kept... Uh, Calling, causing the ratings to go down and it became yeah. abysmal and the pay-per-view rates were trash. So in 2001, Eric Bischoff actually tried to buy WCW. Um, uh, but apparently the group or whatever, just they just didn't want to make a deal. And specifically, Jamie Kellner took over as the CEO of Turner Broadcasting and he removed all WCW programming from TNT. And yeah, he TV. wasn't having it. So, he wasn't having it, yeah. Yeah, so basically they had no uh, – he, he pretty much pulled the plug since they had no cable outlet to run the shows. Eric Bischoff's attempt uh, was basically dropped. Now, the WWF, the only you know company that didn't really need uh, the television, actually made an offer too. And they basically was sold WCW for pennies on the dollar considering what they had. So on March 23, 2001, all of WCW's trademarks and archive video um, – Library including 25 contracts were sold to Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment for the purchase of three million dollars. Wow, scraps! 
a company that oh, two years prior, wow, Correct. a company, yeah, a company that had been making two hundred million, three hundred million plus the previous years before was sold in two thousand one for three, three million dollars. Listen, can I be honest with you? That product at that point was so terrible and was so run down. They could have sold it for less. WCW at that point would have took a blunt and a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> yeah. now, they didn't even have to yeah, spend yeah, that much. But when, yeah, you're, go ahead, go ahead, when you're working out a price for purchasing <laughs> ass, I it's not just what are you generating revenue with at this point with no outlet is zero, but it's yeah. liabilities I'm going to take, right? Because it's not, just, it's not just, hey, maybe I can turn around and I can use these characters and these storylines and archive tape to make some money on the back end. Yeah. If I'm going to do that, and this is the important part because he actually did pick up the talent contract. What is this the WWE? Can I actually potentially have it? Well, at that point, at that point, it was just like, what else can you do? Well, and, mm -hmm. and I can't imagine because what, what I'm sure WWE, uh, WWE would have rather have done is just, if anything, bought out the assets, right? Just grab all the archive tape, grab whatever they can, characters, and left all that yeah. bullshit and all these heavy contracts that were for someone else. But WWE wasn't going to do that because they need somebody to, to bail it out. So, I mean, it's, it kind of makes sense. And, and $3 million, like you said, that's a lot of money considering what they were basically taking on and guaranteed contracts. Yeah. So basically all the talent yeah. that left if you look at all the talent that left with the radicals, the radicals, Chris Jericho. I Big mean, show. Big show. It wouldn't put them over. Big show. It wouldn't put them over to be, you know, more than what they were. Which yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah. They buried a lot Not of those guys in the, in the beginning. They buried yeah. the they yeah. buried a lot of those guys in the beginning. They kinda did. Yeah. They really did. Now, those particular main event people that were from WCW, like your Flares, your Goldbergs, your Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, Sting, they were uh, contacted directly by AOL, Time Warner, and they were forced, because of the nature of the contracts, to actually pay those guys out for years. So they just sat home with no compete uh, no, no compete contracts and just made money. money. Yeah. Like, uh, Kevin Nash said he made, like, $2 million just for sitting at home. Yeah, wow. actually, yeah, basically. Yeah. Now, uh, now the very last Nitro actually aired uh, on March 26, month, uh, <laughs> uh, 2001. It was actually the first ever simulcast yep. between the two uh, shows, WCW and uh, WCW Nitro and Monday Night Raw. Uh, WCW was in uh, Panama City Beach, whereas Monday Night Raw mm -hmm. was in Cleveland, Ohio. And the first thing that started out was Facebook man coming out at the beginning of both shows and announcing pretty much to the world, I now own WCW. My competition. competition. Yeah. And it pretty much gives this big like uh, uh, speech about how he took his competition and he crushed them and all this other shit. He's like, and he buries he, he buries the shit out of Jeff Jarrett. Yes, he does. <laughs> buries the shit out of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know we said uh, so. Uh, so he he spells his name J E double F J A double R E double T. Well, from now on, he is G O N E. And and that was the only wrestler he brought up. He must have had some serious heat with Jeff Jarrett, man. <laughs> now, 
Now, among the matches for the last Nitro was the last ever WCW World Heavyweight Championship match, which had Booker T. Yeah, beat uh, Scott Steiner for the world title. And also the very last match was Ric Flair and Sting. They mm-hmm. were on the first Nitro. They were on the last Nitro. And actually, Ric Flair and Tony Schiavone have said the best thing about the whole night is that it just is over. And they were, they were, they were done with it. Yeah. 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 It, it, it was just Everybody was over it. Yeah. yeah. And also, the big highlight of the simulcast was when Shane McMahon actually showed up on Nitro while Vince McMahon yeah. was on Raw and it shocked everybody up there. Of course, uh, there's part of a story. They didn't even know he was even there. Yeah. Exactly. Shane McMahon comes out, what's happening, Pops, or whatever. You're right. The deal is done. And the, and the, uh, yeah, the, the, the paper is signed. But while the name does say McMahon, the, t- the contract actually reads Shane McMahon. Which wasn't true, obviously. That was all a work for the invasion for the invasion gimmick, you know, for the whole invasion thing. But, yeah, but, yeah, I now own WCW. That was Shane's line. But, yeah, that was yeah, it was leading to the invasion. And that was yeah. basically it for Nitro. That was the last one. And, of course, they started the invasion storyline, bringing some of the subpar talent. Of uh, WCW to WWE, uh, there were some a few select ones that were actually dope, like Booker T and people like that. They brought them in; that was their first time coming in, and yeah, <laughs> it started that invasion thing. But like the the, the combination of this whole thing, especially for the Monday Night Wars, is we all were kids at that point, and I don't know about any of the rest of y'all, but that was must see TV every Monday yeah. night. Nitro yep. and Raw, just to see what they were doing next. That was the first time, really, in my life that I actually been like, you know what? Stop what I'm doing. I gotta watch this TV show. This is this is that shit. Like, you know, oh, yeah. this yeah. this is that first this is that first binge worthy fucking thing that I would have in my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I was, and was I was I was yeah. pro WWE. I really was. Uh, I I didn't watch much Nitro. I would flip and see what was going on, but it was just. But yeah. It was always this feeling of I I can't miss a raw I can't miss a, or what you know what's going even in the times I watch Nitro like mm-hmm. it was just it was you felt bad because mm-hmm. the internet wasn't like the internet back then wasn't like how it is now where you could yeah. recap yeah. stuff if you missed a raw Nitro you just kind of missed that raw Nitro like that's just the way it was yeah. they would do yeah, recaps yeah. the following week but, but it, it was the same. It wasn't the same. If 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 you missed a Raw or Nitro, or for me mostly a Raw, you felt like you really felt bad about yourself. <laughs> yes. You really felt yeah. like, I damn, I I missed a Raw. I am so out of the loop now. It was just it now, was a horrible feeling to miss any of that back then. It really was. It was also it with was, Raw. Yeah. If you missed the first twenty minutes of the show, you're basically lost for the whole night. Yeah, they set the up first everything in the beginning. Was was the setup? It really did. It really did. Yeah. It really did. And one thing I loved about the whole period was the just the pop culture just permeation of wrestling. Because the fact that like I, I've been a you know wrestling fan for years, I was out front about the shit, and I had mixed I had mixed feelings in terms of WCW versus WWE thing. Because while I thought WWE had the better product, and I actually uh, had more stuff in WWE, WCW mm-hmm. was actually in my backyard. I was in Alabama. WCW is based in Atlanta, and they would come through town a lot more than WWE did. WWE came maybe every two years. Yeah. But yeah, but WCW was all the time, like every couple months. So I I had mixed bags about that, but I do remember just how much it permeated everything. 
girls mm-hmm. that were, you know, the super popular, super high girls in school were wrestling fans. The teachers were wrestling fans. Uh, you, my mama was a wrestling fan. She hates wrestling, but she had a thing for The Rock. <laughs> so, the, so did my aunties. My mom had a thing for The Rock, too. I think all yeah. of our mamas had a thing for The Rock. The rock. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. And then my dad loves Stone Cold because, you know, the beer thing. Yeah. But yeah, but every, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, everybody had their favorites. Every, and everybody was invested in everything they did. They they like I said they permeated pop culture. The wrestlers were on different shows like everywhere, like pretty much on every goddamn show on USA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then like they pop up in network television shows and stuff. I mean, like Third Rock from the Sun was one of the biggest ones out there. You had China show up, and I think if I remember right, it was either right before or right after his appearance um on uh it was uh Dennis Rodman came through on the same show. Yeah, and hey, then, tri- uh, Triple H, Triple H, and The Rock were on SNL. Yeah, you know what I'm no, saying. Yeah. Actually, actually, it was Triple H, The Rock, Mick Foley, and The Big Show were on SNL. They were all on yeah. Tri- SNL, yeah. And then yeah. Vince too. And Vince too. Vince has his like little diatribe with Warren Michaels. And um, it's like the, it's like the point we made last uh, the last episode. Yeah. I think we we harped on this. Everybody was over, from the low carters to the mid carters. And like I said yeah. last time, if you were a main eventer, the word over. You were you were over the word over. <laughs> yes. You were a god. You were considered a god. The mid carders were over. If you were Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, Triple H, Kurt Angle, if you were any one of those guys, over that that that's an understatement. You were just yeah, you man. were a god. And and, and that's what made yeah. that time so good. That's what made that time so good. There wasn't yeah. there wasn't a storyline that wasn't over. You know, everybody yeah, had yeah. a had good amount of T V time. They they yeah. it was great. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go to the other side, like um, WCW wasn't slashing TV either in terms of like yep. exposure because you had the NWO at the Cable Ace Awards that year. Yeah. Uh, they were like yeah. the main star line of the whole thing. NWO mm-hmm. on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. You know what I'm saying? And don't forget the movie Ready to Rumble. They did a movie on the based on uh, WCW. <laughs> I know. Listen, but uh, hey, uh, David Arquette. I would like to forget like Ready to Rumble. Yeah. Ready to Rumble. I like Ready to Rumble. I Ready like Rumble. Ready to Rumble is a horrible movie. I love you know, people the, in it. The only good thing about Ready to Rumble was obviously some of the wrestlers you grew up on. Oliver Platt was genius in that. I'm sorry. I thought he was absolutely. That was a dog. As the king, as that king. Oh my God. Is that yeah, king? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but still, that's not bad. The only oh, thing that's... I want to remember from Ready to Rumble was the Triple Cage. That was it. That was it. True. And it could have worked in WCW if they did not make it so gimmicky you put weapons on the second level and then guitars on the third like what the hell is it was a name for that wasn't it wasn't it an actual like name they had a like a rage in the cage or some shit like that I don't know Uh, it was the ready to rumble cage Uh, it was called the ready to rumble cage okay yeah it was horrible all right so yeah all right so fellas to go ahead and close this up what is your one moment from that time frame that sticks with you more than anything else. Now, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, go with AJ. Like, do you have a particular moment or a particular star that sticks out to you from that era? Well, I mean, I I came up with with Hulk Hogan from the the WWF era, right? I mean, I I kind of go with that. So when he we actually first made the switch to WCW. That for me was probably the most seminal moment. That's what had me watching WCW, um, and it's honestly why I'm I'm so heartbroken about the way stuff went 
Um, mm -hmm. Because obviously, I mean, he's look. He's, you can't argue that the man was a hell of a wrestler and that he was a hell of a performer. I mean, he definitely has and had a lot of talent. The problem was is that we're back into the the, the Bischoff issues where we're letting letting people kind of get beyond their their lane so to speak of what they're good at and i think we found yeah. out that all of this stuff that makes hulk hogan great um narrative isn't necessarily one of them um mm. why that went off the rails and that that seeming disrespect whether whether it's entirely disrespect for for us as fans or whether it's just because they were just that bad they're too drunk too high too whatever you know at the time but hey man we totally jumped the fucking shark here yeah. That's why I was so heartbreaking. Um, and then, dude, first time I saw The Rock, you smell what The Rock is cooking. Are you fucking kidding me? Come on. Like, those, are, those are my two, from this era, those are my two moments that are just seared into my brain. Okay. Uh, Laren. Uh, there's so many, man. There really are. Just that, that like, it, it, in general, that whole, that whole era was just uh, watching that in, in my childhood into my teen years and even watching it now. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm a grown ass man and I watch certain segments from the Attitude Era or from during that Monday Night War. And even now to this day as a grown man, and I've seen this hundred times, I get chills about seeing certain things, about certain title wins, certain segments, certain pops. Uh, you know, I, nothing will ever in a million years, uh, out, of, out of every era, and I know a lot of people will disagree, you know, they talk about the flares. They talk about the the Hogans, um, uh, the Ultimate Warriors, the you know all the all the Macho Mans. What you know, absolutely, absolutely, rest in peace, adore Macho Man. Uh, as a kid and, and still now to this day, watching uh, old stuff, but nothing will ever evoke the type of nostalgia and goosebumps than Stone Cold and The Rock. Um, Stone Cold, he was a monster in himself. You know, he he just. It, the, the, the things he did, you know, and if I, you know, I know you got to meet him, J.D. I, I hope one day I get to. Uh, and, I, and I hope I have enough time to let him know how much he entertained me and really made me happy as a child. <laughs> and as, even as an adult. And same thing with The Rock. Uh, they just, these two guys were just, they, they were just the most entertaining. They could go in the ring. Both of them, their promos were were incredible there wasn't a there wasn't a time i don't recall ever not being entertained when these guys were on the mic there was at no point i ever said man i wish the rock would shut up or man i wish stone cold would shut the hell up and there's a lot of wrestlers <clears throat> triple h that i could say that that, <laughs> that went on that mic way too long and it was just like shut the hell up you know those two yeah. men i don't think there was any point i ever was a bored or just not entertained you know and not every single thing they did was was immaculate there were times where you're just mm -hmm. like eh, why did the rock do that or and eh, why did stone cold you know but them individually but let's also talk about and we didn't really harp on it let's talk about them together the programs they worked were dynamic the dynamic those two had when they were in the ring when they were involved in a program when they were involved in a storyline nobody brought and i know you guys hear this a lot in interviews nobody brought the best out of each other like those two did that, yeah. that it was electric. Absolutely. It was electric Absolutely. every single time they got in the ring. Every time they got in the ring and, and exchanged, mm -hmm. bounced off each other promos. It, mm -hmm. it was just, it was incredible. Uh, so I, I will always attest those two as mm -hmm. the, the greatest. Just, just, they made that. Uh, 
I have one argument to counter that, but I'll, I'll bring it up when I have my moment. <laughs> but just but, to wrap uh, it up, yeah. just yeah. yeah, just to wrap it up, those two definitely, their 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 rivalry and them individually. Um, that Mick Foley winning that title, I still get goosebumps to this day. That is something that has burned in my brain. I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really watching it during the time. Like I said, I was more of a flipping back and forth. But obviously, Hogan turning heel. Yeah. I, I remember that. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I wasn't invested as I am. As I got older, I got more invested in it. But at the time, it was just like, wow, okay, well, that's yeah. new. You know, yeah. so that and just, I mean, definitely the, the divas were incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, every every man, be, every boy became a man watching the Attitude Era, and the and and even the you know if you want, we're talking about the Money Awards, even if you want to talk about the uh, the Nitro Girls, you know every everything. <laughs> well, you asked. I have a lot to say, <laughs> but overall, everything. I I there's I can't you know I, I pinpoint a few things, but it was really those. It was that era. Period. That was just it was just that was it. And uh, next. <laughs> I didn't have to be ready to bring up the wrap it up music, so I'll try to make sure we have that for next next podcast. All right, all right, Tyler. Tyler I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Tyler um, than me. Well, simple fact that when Hogan turned heel and the NWO was formed, it actually made me grow up. It made me grow up a little bit because now I can't see Hogan as his god figure anymore. He's on the dark side now. And I'm like, oh, he's evil now. And it's just affected my mood and everything else. My mom even asked me, what's wrong with you? He's a bad guy now. I I can't can't do it. But then two weeks later. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids had to get therapy because of that. Baby, NWO flight. So it's... WCW, the NWO, it made me grow up. Stone Cold Steve Austin, since I was following him since USWA. I already knew who he was. And I'm like, oh, so now he's cussing and everything now. I like him too. So it basically, it changed, it changed your everything. It changed your everything around. And that was some of the best things that ever could have happened in the 90s. All right, so my tech, yeah, okay, so thank you, Tyler. So my take on the it took uh, twenty minutes man. attitude era. Was, I know for real. Right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, moving <laughs> along. Moving along. Don't, don't you dare do that to shit to me on my show. <laughs> I know I took thirty minutes. That's not the point. You go back. Do what you do. <laughs> AJ, AJ you're killing me right now. <laughs> I know, right? AJ's face. <laughs> I, all right, all right, let me get to it. Okay, so the thing that really uh, brought me into the Attitude Era, uh, mainly because of the fact that I, just like most people had fallen off, especially like in the early, like mid-90s or whatever, it got too corny, too hokey. I just got off. Yeah. The one rivalry that brought me back to wrestling, and I've been there ever since, was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart. That, the intensity of that rivalry just really, uh, I don't know what it was. I, I was just transfixed. I had to watch it every week. Like when, like we were talking about earlier, Bret Hart loses his shit and yeah. pushes down Vincent Man and cuts that crazy fucking promo. And I was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. 
It was yeah. so damn dope. And then Stone Cold on the other end, like, you know, Bret Hart's like, you're frustrating the goddamn word for it. This is bullshit and all this. Other. And they're saying this on TV, live television. And like, and then Stone Cold back, you're a loser and all this other shit. They just, <laughs> just, just, just that intensity, intensity between those two brought me back to wrestling big time. And then on the other end, the initial uh, launch of the NWO was flawless. Yes. No, I, that that was must see fucking TV. Like freaking like yeah. this shit we talked about with the whole thing with them they beating up people. I thought it was real. Like like, like yeah. I got I got invested in. I was like, oh my god, what is going on here? Hulk Hogan's a bad guy and he beating everybody up, and then he got Razor Ramon and Diesel with him. What the fuck is going on right now? And it's still ran stuck. that shit into the ground though. But but I said initially the initial yeah. shit was flawless. I agree. Yeah. Of, of course, they when they added more and more people to Too it. Much. Too much, yeah, oversaturated yeah. the shit. But it to the ground. Keep it to the initial idea. The initial execution was beautiful. And then, of course, everything that came after it: Stone Cold, the, the Montreal Screwjob, Stone Cold on Mr. McMahon, DX, The Nation, fucking the Divas with the titties and shit. Fucking you know, all the all the craziness, <laughs> all the crazy matches. Hell in the Cell, WrestleMania 13. We haven't really talked about that with uh, Stone Cold yeah. and Bret Hart. Yeah, so, matches like that. And then, like, on the other end, you got, you know, the rise of Goldberg going, like, 170 and fucking zero. Or, you know, the whole thing of the NWO and then the NWO split up. You know, NWO Wolfpack, NWO Hollywood, and all this other crazy shit. Which side were you on? And yeah. the whole craziness of it. The Attitude Era, to me, was just the best time in terms of being a young man, just, like, to be a wrestling fan. Like, it's great now. I mean... Like, yeah, with AEW and New Japan and then certain things with WWE. WWE has been improving lately, particularly in the last Mania with the whole with the Boneyard match and the, uh, the Firefly Funhouse. That was cool. Firefly Funhouse, yeah. Those were great. So freaking like, and then I'm, I'm liking how they're doing hell in the, um, sorry, Money in the Bank, how they're building out right now. That's, that's just Sunday. And I'm actually excited mm-hmm. to see that shit. I'm excited to see how they're going to do this. But, you know, like I'm still gonna be. I was a wrestling fan before all this shit happened. I'm still gonna be a wrestling fan after all this shit happened. It's just how it is. And you know, for all of us here that dropping their culture, um, we hoping that every everybody that's watching this show right now is just as much a wrestling fan as all of us. And fuck you, AJ, for looking at your watch because I'm actually about to wrap this shit up. Ah, <laughs> uh, see. Yeah, we really hope you guys have enjoyed the show. And I, w- I actually want to sit here and I want to thank my two guests who've been. Fucking assholes to me. This whole guy. I ain't, listen. I ain't done nothing. Whatever, motherfucker. Either way, I, either way, either way, I love both of you guys to death, man. You too, that's man. Why I, that's why I invited you up on the show because I know you because I know you both had great insights. Yeah. That's why I asked you. To- and I want to thank I want to thank AJ and and you as well, man. Uh, yeah. I know AJ. I've never I've never met you until now. I appreciate you for uh, allowing me to to take thirty minutes to cut a Triple H promo, yeah. practically. Mm-hmm. And JD, of course, you. You know, you're 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 like a bro. And Tyler it was definitely nice meeting you and everything. So you know, oh, yeah. hopefully we can do more of this and talk about other topics, not just I'm wrestling. Sure, you know, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we'll find a subject that's like so big that we have to include more people. Yeah. I'm very sure we'll have both of you back on again. Just oh, I would love to. Oh, sure. sure. I would hands down. I'd love to. Definitely. So, like I say again, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. This has been dropping that culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. I'm AJ. See you guys next time. Driving that coach. Yeah. Driving that coach. Driving that coach. Driving that coach. Driving that coach.
Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping that coach. Dropping